Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Did you know that atheists have the highest suicide rate in the world, as well as highest substance abuse? That means they are more likely to kill themselves, as well as do drugs, alcohol, which is why they refer to it as substance abuse. If you would like to learn more, subscribe to my channel and watch my high-definition version of this video. God bless. All right, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keene from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. We're going to do some questions in a little while, but first we're going to start with asking each other about our day and Christmas and all that. How was your Christmas? You're an agnostic atheist. Do you do Christmas? It seems to me that anybody that loves fun is going to do it. Yeah, we ended up doing a bit of a Christmas ourselves. Uh, I've got two different sides to my family. So I went over to go see my mom and then uh, actually just recently moved into my girlfriend's place here. So I went to go see her parents as well later on in the day. So that was a lot of fun. Now, would you say that you're, if it's not too personal, is your girlfriend atheist, agnostic, or does she have a different view? Uh, she comes from a Catholic family and I believe considers herself to be a Catholic. She's not very uh, talkative about it necessarily. And that's not out of any uh, disrespect on either end, really. It's just more a matter of personal preference. But yeah, I believe that she identifies as a Catholic Christian. So you're not, you've never been one of these uh, atheists or agnostics who have a chip on your shoulder where you'll look down at a religious person. You actually could find yourself in a loving relationship. You know, that actually gives me a little bit too much credit, Brett. Um, I used to be a pretty big anti-theist back in the day. Back in my uh, early teenage years, I was actually quite anti-theistic. I had a lot of misnomers about religion, a lot of misnotions about what it was about, what it stood for, the varying tenets of it, and, you know, what it really was all about. I thought it was an institution of ignorance, and I thought that its primary motive was really in the service of spreading that ignorance, but uh, as the years have gone by, I've definitely softened up a lot on that as I've uh, done a lot of studying on the topic and I've uh, done a bit of soul searching myself. That isn't to say that I've necessarily come around to the uh, to the Christian end of things or the religious side of things, but I've definitely become much more open now than before. I've noticed that a lot of extremely intelligent uh, non-believers have found themselves whenever they get married or dating for some reason, they always seem to be attracted to religious people. I'll give you an example. You're obviously aware of Stephen Hawking, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you know that he ended up uh, marrying a Christian woman, and for years uh, she uh, settled down with him, and they had a pretty good life together as far as Stephen Hawking's quality of life was? Well, yeah, with his varying conditions and his very poor quality of life, that's uh, that isn't something I knew about, but uh, that's it's a very interesting fact. 
Don't know if anybody's ever had the opportunity to do this, but I recommend watching uh, The Theory of Everything, a movie that uh, talks about Stephen Hawking's life. There's a really good actor who plays his part. There's an interesting part in the movie where he's sitting at a table with his Christian wife, and he says something to the effect of, I think that I've absolutely proven that the Big Bang is is what it is with the universe. <laughs> and she said, wow. And she goes, so what does that mean? Because she didn't fully understand everything he was talking about because he's smart, right? And he goes, well, yeah. it looks to me like uh, God's back in business. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good scene, honestly. I'll have to give that movie uh, a look, absolutely. But uh, how was your Christmas, Brett? We really haven't talked about your Christmas yet. Well, my Christmas was pretty good. As you know, a lot of my family members are either passed away, and I also have kind of a dysfunctional family on the outside of the home. Um, my son, he has moved out. He's got his own place. He's got a truck. He's really doing good for himself. Um, my daughter, she still lives with us. Me and my wife, my daughter and son, we do fine. But the rest of the family members, there wasn't so much. My brother and his wife ended up going out to Kentucky because uh, his wife has family members who live in Mayfield. And I don't know if you heard what happened, but apparently a giant tornado came through and tore the whole area to just absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I live in I live up here in Canada, but yeah, I, I heard a fair bit about that and just how devastating it was around there. So. That's that's pretty insane to hear that that uh, had such far-reaching effects, honestly. So I'm very sad to hear about that, but I'm glad that you guys were uh, able to pull together in a situation like that. You know, it's uh, it's very rare, unfortunately, to have uh, to have family that's able to do that. You know, coalesce in times of uh, duress like that. Yeah, it's it is difficult. Uh, my father, whom I don't have much of a relationship with him or anything like that, but he. He actually called, and it's been like, I'd say probably about 10 years since he's ever called on his own, initiating it without me first calling him. And he's like, hey, son, how are you doing? And all this kind of stuff. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, hey, you actually called me. That's pretty cool. So there's been a couple different blessings here and there. Wow, that's absolutely fantastic. You know, I'd uh, I'd listened to your content before a couple years back. I don't know whether or not you... Uh, remember we had a discussion a couple of years back as well over the phone but yeah back in the day i remember every now and then you'd mentioned him and uh, the estrangement that you guys had had for an extended period of time so the fact that he actually took the initiative to go and do that is uh is absolutely fantastic yeah it is it is for sure i think that was uh probably one of the reasons why i ended up uh i i noticed that there's a lot of people out there especially um I, I was kind of in the same position as some non-believers out there where they're raised up with a single mother type of thing. Didn't mm -hmm. have a father figure in my life. So I kind of got this weird idea back in the day. I don't know if you remember those older videos whenever I was a non-believer. But I figured, damn, if my own dad and his own family members don't give a rat's ass about me, then why should I believe there's some kind of greater entity that exists in the universe that gives a rat's ass about me? You know what I mean? If you don't have the biological thing, you kind of have a hard time connecting to the spiritual. Well, it's almost like the whole nature versus nurture argument, right? If you're in the, such a in, in such a hostile environment in your own personal life and you don't really have any basis of 
of forming that connection. I'm, I'm really fortunate in that I didn't have that. You know, my parents may have separated, but they're one of those really rare instances where they were actually able to maintain a pretty decent relationship through that separation. So I was pretty lucky to have that. Um, but yeah, I can see absolutely how in that kind of environment where you don't really have a basis of uh, forming a really strong bond with even your own biological parents, that it'd be very difficult, uh, especially in those earlier stages of your life where it's so developmental to even have a concept of uh, of loving a, a spiritual being like that or even being able to believe that it would have your back in a universe that seems so <clears throat> antithetical to that. Exactly. Exactly. It looks like you got it figured out on that. Sounds like is that what is that one of the reasons why it is that you? I, I notice a big difference between your behavior and other non-believers I've spoken to in the past. You have a lot of sympathy, you have a lot of compassion. You actually uh, come off with a very. I I hope this doesn't offend you, but you come off very Christian sometimes, at least the way I perceive Christianity to be. Obviously, there's a bunch of Christians out there that are absolute shit brains, but you come (laughs) off really giving and kind. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Uh, I'm very much so of the opinion that you don't necessarily need an objective an objective moral system in order to live your life by now that may sound a bit uh, odd at first because I, myself, I, I try to keep myself to a very strong, stringent set of beliefs and values, but I believe that that very much so comes from within yourself. It doesn't uh, necessarily come from any outside power or influence and that in finding that in yourself and finding the, uh, the ability to have introspection and the ability to look within yourself and have that kind of compassion. It's, it's very powerful, at least a very powerful experience to me to, uh, to think in a, in a lack of any real fundamental objective evidence of there being in a, a creator being for you to be able to have that ability, to have that empathy, to have that introspection in the absence of that. And that's just the thing. It really comes down to a matter of I'd, I'd love there to be, an all loving, all caring God that looks down upon us and uh, does truly wish for everybody to be saved. You know, that notion does appeal to me very strongly. It's just in an, in a lack of any real objective evidence to that, I can't really come around to that uh, form of belief any more so than I could look at the values in my life and feel that there's real no objective reason for me to have those values. If there's no real no real gain to be had. And that's not even on the matter of myself, but on the matter of that other person or that deed that I do, if there's no gain to be had overall for anybody, then why even do it? Why partake in it? You know, you might in the best case scenario, if you do what many Christians and many people in general were to believe to be wrong, that's still something that is, you know, you might feel good for a little while after doing that. But I believe that everybody that at the very least isn't a, a, you know, a sociopath or a psychopath, everyone that's capable of feeling empathy, they'll have that inner feeling within themselves to some extent or another that they've done something wrong, that they've committed some wrong thing. Sorry, I might've gone on a bit of a ramble there. No, that's cool. I enjoy hearing you. Um, don't remember every single discussion we have, but I remember that we've had quite a few and they were always positive and good. And I can appreciate what you said. I know some religious people and some non-believers out there, they may have just listened to what you said and said, and they're like, well, 
wait a minute, religious people get this external type of morality. The religious people would probably say that. And then atheists, of course, would probably say, well, I get mine from nature and society, but you're saying it's more of an internal thing. And what's interesting about that is it actually says biblically that Jesus wrote this into our hearts, our laws. So if you're feeling it coming from internally, then damn it, you're on to something. <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting that you say that because I I very much so, although my girlfriend is Catholic, I've kind of uh, I've separated even at the time, I kind of separated the institution of the Catholic Church and the people that adhere to it uh into two separate groups, but one of the biggest reasons why I had such a negative outlook on uh, religion, especially in my earlier life, was because uh, I ended up getting enrolled into a Catholic school. And it simply just had a couple discussions with a couple of uh, of Christians at the time. And those discussions apparently had leaked to the principal. And through the good old game of telephone, my very innocent, very just like, like basically in the same vein of the kind of discussions we're having right now, very open-ended discussions I'm trying to have with these people get turned into very anti-theistic me trying to convert these people away from God, trying to turn them away from Christ, yada, yada. So the principle of this school sits me down and essentially gives me the ultimatum of, look, you've either got to convert, you've got to accept Christ into your heart, or you're not allowed to be in this school. You're not allowed to be in this community. You've got to go. And immediately, as soon as I had heard that, it was very much so ingrained into me, you know what, I can't abide by a group of people that are going to claim to be so loving and so outgoing and so accepting, but then as soon as you actually try to talk with them, and even in a very just neutral manner, confront what they what they hold to be their own personal beliefs. Like, I'll give you an example. I was in... Um, I was in language art. No, it was social studies class. Sorry. It was in social studies class. And we were talking about the, uh, the ancient Greek gods, the pantheon of Zeus and Poseidon and all of those different gods. And they, uh, a certain kid had spoken up and said, well, you know, now we at least know that there is only one God. And I looked at him and I just simply said, not in an accusing manner, not in a, you know, snide kind of manner. How do you know? How do we know for a fact that there is a God? And, this was at a time when I was about, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. I was really just kind of trying to come into my own understanding of these very important things and this, th these very important questions that I've been contemplating really before and since that point. So I don't know. I, I try to look at it now from a perspective of it wasn't... It's, it's not the fault of the church. It's not the fault of any individual Christian, nor is it really, like I said before, the fault of that institution as a whole, that that particular person felt so threatened by what I'd said, or that those kids that I'd had these discussions with had taken away from it what they did. I can't try to take that and extrapolate it onto everybody else. I can understand that. And obviously you've uh, you've been around religion long enough at this point, you know, uh, even if you don't see yourself as anywhere close to being a part of religion or Christianity, you know that the Bible repeatedly warned that there were going to be people who claimed to be of God and they were not, that they would end up causing you to stumble. You know what Jesus Christ said about people who cause children and young people to stumble, right? I don't recall the specific quote, no. 
He said, if you cause uh, the little ones a stumble, it'd be better to tie a milestone around your neck and jump into the ocean. It's a hell of a lot more graphic than I would have come up with. But Yeah, well, he certainly spoke in no uncertain terms, did he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he certainly spoke in no uncertain terms as far as um, that and a multitude of other things are concerned. I always enjoyed the quote of, uh, it's... It's easier for the uh, the camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into his kingdom, and yet you have all of these wealthy people running around on a day to day basis, claiming and you know basically grifting people in the name of the church. That was another big thing that had uh, dissuaded me. You know, I, I I was growing up right around that like 2008 to 2012 period where that anti theistic content on YouTube was really kind of in its heyday, so to speak. There was a lot of people you know, yourself included there for a decent chunk of time that were espousing these very, um, these very strong arguments against religion and against the church. And to somebody that was disaffected by it in my own personal life, I immediately, you know, you go, yeah, of course, that's right. I had this experience in my own personal life. And here's this guy, he's saying that he's been rejected by this, this group of people through no fault of his own, then, then it has to be true. But then you you try to go out there and get a wider perspective on things. You try to talk to more people and actually really read the words that are within this book that you claim to hate so much and that you think is so awful and so evil. And you find it harder and harder to actually really go against the teachings of what's being taught here. You know, there may be going back to what I'd said before, of course, there are very awful, despicable things committed by a multitude of people in the name of, uh, of God, in the name of the church. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the church itself is bad, that the institution itself is bad, because it's not really doing anything that I or any anti-theistic person that I've at least encountered in my own personal life could point to and say, oh, that's evil, that's awful. You know, do unto others as you want done unto yourself. All of these different ma manner of uh, conducting yourselves to build a better society, to build a better future not only for yourself but for others around them and you know you you talked before about how uh that christ had written this onto our hearts that this is something that um to to, his, to an extent is present with everybody but I, uh, I i hate to try and dredge up an argument that seems so overplayed and so overused but you know in a world of of people that are incapable of empathy where people are psych psychopaths where people are sociopaths where people are pathological liars to the point where they will actively destroy the lives of those around them for their own benefit i find it really really hard to to believe that there's being that has created a universe where we're all supposedly given this equal chance in order to enter this kingdom of his but then he gives certain people the incapability of even partaking in that empathy, that love that apparently permeates everything. That's always been one of my biggest hangups with at least the uh, the Christian side of things, that, that that particular thing, the incapability of empathy, because that's really the stemming of anything that is good, I think. Anything that's good, any act that's committed that helps benefit your fellow man, you really aren't capable of doing that without the ability to put yourself into his shoes. If you're only, if you're, if you're only thinking about yourself, if you're only out there for yourself, then you just simply don't have that capability. And I don't know. Like I said before, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I I find it uh, interesting.
No, I like hearing you. And it's an important question. Why is it that there's people out there who are non-empathetic, who don't seem to, what you're basically getting at is if it's written onto our hearts, and why do we continue to do the things anyway? We've got these laws who state to honor our mother and father to do all these things, yet people continuously break them. It's a, I've always wondered, you know, I, I used to feel the same way where I'm like, uh, it just seems like, how can a good God do this? And of course, I continued to forget the idea that, hey, this book says it rains on the just and the unjust. It also says that there's evil forces out there that can tempt and cause people to do really horrible things if they choose to do it by choice. And wouldn't you agree that 85 to 90% of the suffering and pain that happens in this world is because of human choice? And then, of course, the other percentage would be nature. Um, I, I, I would certainly say that it's, it's more of a, more of an even split. It really depends on what time period you're looking at, because with the advance of human history, I'm not somebody that of course thinks that we're, we're ever at any point going to be able to completely dominate over nature, that we're ever going to have complete control over this world and everything that takes place within it. There's just so many uncountable different systems working on this place. It's a, it's a machine with an uncountable amount of cogs working in unison with one another. But I think that we've definitely gotten a better handle over things as time has gone on. I think we've definitely, at least at the very least, gotten a better understanding of how those cogs fit together and are able to take advantage of that understanding. And with that, with that increase in technology, with that increase of our control over, um, over those things, I think we've really altered to one extent or another, especially with the advent of industrialization, with the advent of these different technologies that have been able to improve the quality of our life on one hand, but also seemingly begin to destroy the the, the world that we live within on the other. You know, that's that's another thing that I'm thinking to myself, you know, why why do we have this this being, this all-powerful messiah who comes down to us that gives us all of these messages that and then, and then essentially leaves, leaves us to our own devices for thousands of years on end to allow us to do these things to ourselves. Because I, there's give and take with everything, of course. I'm not some kind of uh, Luddite. I'm not going to try and propose, you know, we're sitting here using the advances of technology right now to communicate with one another. However, that doesn't mean, on the other hand, that I think we've kind of lost our way in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is that understanding, that ability to <clears throat> think that we have control over everything, think that we, the hubris of, uh, oh, well, you know, the, the climate may seem to be falling apart, but some magical technology is going to come about that's going to help save us. Or, you know, even on the extreme end of things, people go, oh, well, there won't be any kind of magical technology because we don't need it. There is no climate change. Nothing's going on because of that. And, you know, climate change is only one of those things that's kind of built up that hubris in my mind, in my opinion. So don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that the time that Christ came, because I'm not going to dispute, I'm not going to sit here and dispute that Christ wasn't a real being. I think that he definitely was a real man that did walk this earth and did leave the messages that he left. However, I think that... <laughs> There's def we're definitely due for a return. And unfortunately, it seems like the time that we're supposed to get a return is when the end of days comes about. And I, maybe, maybe it's, uh, 
maybe it's hubristic of me to think this, you know, in the face of this being that supposedly created the entire universe. But given how much we've grown and how much we changed since that time, you know, since all of those events have taken place, I think we're due for another visitation where we don't get ended, where we don't have everything taken away from us and the, the world comes to an end and we end up going on to this heavenly kingdom. I think we're capable with guidance, if there really is a God, of doing so much more. Right. There's, But there's still one major thing that needs to happen in order for the end to actually happen. I know every 20 years you've got a group of Christians or denominations out there who are thinking they've seen the signs and it's coming and, oh boy, here we go. And I've even heard some atheists say, as bad and horrible as the world is, then why isn't this God coming down and doing something? Why isn't he making his return that they talk about? Hell, I've even heard some of them joke and say, I don't even get a Christmas card from the guy. <laughs> but there's something, <laughs> there's something that uh, a lot of people miss uh, in the Bible whenever it talks about whenever he's going to come. Whenever he comes, it's going to be to a point where everyone's heart has grown cold and black. Here we are, an atheist and agnostic, and a Christian who used to be an atheist, having an interesting, loving conversation about God, our families, and life. You have not grown cold. You have not, you know, turned uh, this world and life around you into darkness. So as long as there's people out there, uh, a massive amount of people who believe and they have that hope, then there's no need for the Messiah to come just yet. But the day that everybody gives up and there's no hope, when everybody decides to hell with it, it's not even worth it anymore, that's the day when things start getting exciting. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's it's been a bit difficult, especially with this last year here, um, in order to keep having that faith, in order to keep having that warmth and that... Uh, that loving nature because of uh i've had a couple problems here with uh i actually ended up getting I'm, I'm 21 years old here and i found out that i've got early onset arthritis here in my hips and that's been a pretty difficult challenge here over this past year trying to adjust to that trying to get around that and uh try to find some work or any kind of gainful employment because of that and uh i'll tell you it's a little bit personal and it's something that um I kind of feel I'm starting to air publicly more as a way of uh, getting over it than anything else. But wait, 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 look, you, you know that I'm more than willing to listen to you and I'm your friend and all that. But before you go forward, because it sounds like you want to share personal things, you know how the Internet is. I have to warn you as a friend. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to go forward? Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not anything so personal where it's going to reveal anything bad or anything like that. If anything, I think it's going to be better for myself that I kind of get it off my chest to one extent or another. I uh, I was I essentially got scammed is the long and short of things. Um, I was looking for gainful employment. I uh, applied to a whole bunch of different places around, and one of the places that had supposedly accepted me, they did an interview and they did a contract and they did everything like that. It all seemed completely above board, and then they'd sent me. Um, They'd sent me what was supposedly a check in order to go and buy a whole bunch of equipment. So I go and I get all this stuff and I purchase all this software from all these third-party stuff. And it turns out that it was actually basically just a front for them in order to get the money and that the check wasn't actually legitimate. So, you know, I at first 
I, I was very livid because, you know, obviously you don't have a lot of money right now because you're not uh, employed and you're trying to seek employment. But uh, to be completely honest with you, it taught me a very important lesson as well at the same time, because even though I don't have a heck of a lot, as soon as I got this job, one of the perks of it supposedly was that it was going to offer me a really good amount of pay. It was going to give me well above what I was currently making, let's just say that much. And I immediately got all fixated on all these different things I was going to buy. Oh, man, I'm going to get a new computer and I'm going to get a new place and I'm going to help out my girlfriend with her university and all this different stuff. And it's going to be great. But I realized after all this had happened and after the bitterness had kind of set itself aside that, you know, maybe I should actually try to become more grateful and more fixated on the things that I do have and the things that I um, that I have with, you know, within my life rather than being so fixated on those that I don't. So I don't think that that's too bad to share with people, honestly. Yeah, it's it's actually really good. It's really healthy the way you handled it. I'm really sorry to hear that uh, this happened to you. You're a good person. You deserve to have good things happen to you. I, I know that this uh, this may come off sounding naive or whatever because you are a young man and you're trying to do whatever you got. There's going to be times in your life, this will not be the last time that you're going to suffer difficulties or challenges. But sometimes, and I know you don't believe this, but sometimes God doesn't let us have things because he has something greater in store for us. So I, I, I could tell you or suggest to remember that and keep that in mind and in your heart that sometimes the roller coaster ride has its downs, but there is the ups as well. Yeah, and you know, it's it's becoming fixated on, once again, like I said before, those ups that I do have right now, those things that I do have within my own life that I think are um, are what's keeping me and a lot of other people right now going, you know, hope is not necessarily an easy thing to have, especially right now, given um, what's been going on in the world kind of in general. But the fact of the matter is, it's like what you said before, you know, people haven't lost hope overall, I don't think. I think I've, maybe it is a bit naive of me given my age, but I do have a decent amount of hope for people and for the world in general that we can make it a better place for one another and that this is far from the best that we've ever had it, but we can do so much better than we have right now. So I appreciate you saying that because it's uh, it's definitely the mindset that I'm trying to keep moving forward. So, uh all in all, what would you say, besides Christmas, uh, what were the highlights of your 2021? Well, there is one other thing. I don't know if you heard about this in the video, but Christmases are a little aggravating for me, not just because of seasonal depression, but I have a birthday right on Christmas. So a lot of people cheat oh. me. They cheat me. They're like, ah, here's your gift. This is for your birthday and Christmas. I'm like, yeah, but that's just one. Um, you know, there's like the birthday too, and they're like, oh, yeah. come on, man. You know, they said, don't be greedy. I said, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. You know, it's funny you say that. My little sister actually is uh, is born on Christmas as well, and she feels the exact same way about things. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting an interesting situation that you have to deal with <laughs> when you uh, when you got to get two gifts. I'll tell you what, though, it is it is definitely not a greedy thing to ask for two gifts. It's your birthday, for Christ's sakes. Why wouldn't you get two gifts? 
if anything, you think that would be a benefit, but <laughs> it seems like a lot of people just try to do the, oh, this is your birthday and your Christmas present. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this sounds greedy of me to say, but unless it's a really damn good present, that doesn't count. <laughs> well, I did end up getting a really, really cool present. I wouldn't have minded having it twice, so, but <clears throat> what I ended up getting was my, um, you know, I was telling my son because I felt like we were seeing less and less each, of each other because he has been working a lot of hours and putting a lot of time in. Well, he ends up coming over and he says, Dad, I'd like to take you out someplace. And uh, I said, son, you know, I got agoraphobia. And he goes, I know I'm going to take back roads where there's a lot of trees and everything will be all right. And I said, well, what are you wanting to do with me? You're going to drop me off in the woods somewhere and have the <laughs> trunks get me or something? He goes, no. He goes, I want to take you to see the new Spider-Man movie. And oh, uh, wow. he's, he's always loved Spider-Man. It's like his favorite superhero. So I knew that if he was going to ask me and not like his girlfriend or somebody else, then this was a really important thing for not only him, but he wanted to involve his dad in, our, in it. And, uh, and of course, the movie turned out to be one of the greatest damn movies that have ever existed. It was incredible. And I got to do that with my son. That's that really awesome. special. Yeah, that's really special. I'm really glad to hear that you're able to share that experience with him. Because, yeah, it's it's really not you know, with all these uh, restrictions being in place and whatnot, it's not the easiest thing to do in general. So you're right. The fact that he ended up taking you and the fact that it's as important to him as it is, that's really cool. I'm sure you really appreciated that as well. But uh, I'll tell you what, I haven't seen the new Spider-Man movie, but I ended up going to go see that Dune movie that came out a few months ago. And I'm actually one of the, <laughs> I'm the only person I know this isn't me trying to sound elitist or anything. Don't don't get me wrong, but I'm the only person I know my age, especially that uh, has actually read the the Frank Herbert's uh, Dune and Dune Messiah. I haven't gotten to Children of Dune yet, the third one in the series. Kind of heard mixed things about it, so I've kind of put it on my to do list more more or less. But yeah, the the movie was really really good. I got to say, in a drought where there really aren't a heck of a lot of good movies coming out right now, we really are kind of getting the we're getting a bit of we're getting a bit spoiled right now as far as good movies from uh, such a movie drought over the last year. Before there really wasn't anything all that good or compelling coming out at that point. I know one to a certain extent or another that was because of you know the the restrictions that were going on and then being all reticent to release anything top quality, but man, was it worth the wait to a certain extent because we just got all this good stuff dropped on us seemingly all at once. Did you see the, did you see the Dune movie by chance, Brett? I got to see the older version and I'm kind of a, I, I, I'm very hesitant whenever it comes to remakes of movies because I'm the type of guy growing up seeing a lot of the stuff I, I feel as though a lot of these remakes, they're just a money grab and they're not actually trying to tell you the story or adapt to the book. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm concerned if I go see it, is it going to be as good as the other movie and some of the other lore behind it, that kind of thing? Yeah, that is definitely a concern for me. You know, I, I'm somebody that really holds the source material in high regard. I have a lot of reverence for Dune because it's, it was one of the earlier books that I'd ever read in my life. You know, funnily enough, uh, it was the Dune and the novelizations actually of the Halo games were some of the earliest like science fiction books that I had ever really read. 
So I was really exposed to what I think even to this day are just some absolutely amazing literature. And having that in mind, when I ended up seeing the when I ended up seeing the movie in theaters, it was a very faithful adaptation. They have all of the all of the essential things from the movie that I would say really needed to be within it were definitely there. And they included a couple of other things that I really honestly didn't expect them to. I don't know if you've ever read the book or if you have any intention on seeing the movie. I don't want to spoil things for you if you do. I have not actually read the book. Whenever I watched Dune, it was back whenever I think I was, uh, I was a young man whenever I watched it. I ended up having to watch it a couple of times because I, I wasn't exactly sure what it was that I was looking at back then. <laughs> I just wasn't picking up. All I remember thinking is, wow, then things look a lot like the sandworms off of Beetlejuice. <laughs> that's so fucking funny that you say that, actually, because that's basically on par with anybody that I've heard in my own life say like, Oh, that's the sandworm from tremors or, Oh, that's the sandworm from, uh, from uh, Beetlejuice or all manner of different ones. But yeah, that's the one that actually created those different adaptations rather than the other way around. I just, I find it amusing whenever that uh, inverse comes around, but there's just, there was so many really good scenes. Some people have told me, you know, they went and saw the movie and, I kind of agree with them. One of the only gripes that I have with it, and I kind of have with uh, any adaptation, to be honest with you, is is that, look, it's very good that you adapt the sources from the books, that you be very faithful to it. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to go through this almost like 1,100-page novel in order to understand everything that's going on in the movie. Because it's true, this freaking book, you could kill somebody with a copy of Dune. It's this big, thick fucking brick of a book that you have to get through in order to really understand every single thing that's happening in the movie you get the you get the gist of it you know i'm sure even you at the time when you'd watched uh the david lynch dune and i'd seen it myself as well i think i watched it once a couple of years ago actually after uh, doing a reread of dune it's 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 definitely still one where you're just kind of scratching your head at good 30 percent of the time going what the fuck is going on here who's this guy what are they doing <laughs> So, hey, can you do me a favor real quick? I got to use the restroom real fast. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? And you don't have a problem with this being on the radio station, right? Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. All right. So, just uh, talk about whatever it is that you want. Talk about some of the cool movies about the book that you have read and sure, about sure. doing some more if you like. I'll be right back. Just a couple minutes. Yeah, I can vamp. Yeah, so. Uh... All in all, honestly, uh, going back to that topic that we'd had before uh, that me and Brett were discussing about adaptations, I'd mentioned before that one of the ones that I really found interesting aside from the Dune universe was actually the uh, the Halo adaptations for the Halo series. And a lot of people who I know in my personal life who've uh, played the games, they didn't even really know themselves that there were books associated with the, uh, the, the Halo universe or anything like that. And it's true. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know until I uh, my stepdad, funnily enough, uh, brought them out to me not too long after I had started playing the game. I was like, I was like eight, nine years old at this point in my life, so maybe I shouldn't have been playing a rated M game with blood and gore and whatnot. But he was <laughs> fortunate enough to have let me play it whenever my mom wasn't around, so I was pretty lucky in that regard. <laughs> anyway, though, um, yeah, it was. I I really enjoy 
this new Halo game. Sorry, went on a bit of a tangent there, but I really enjoyed this new Halo game, Halo Infinite, because it uh, it ties into the books, it ties into the source material very, very well, but you don't need to really, you, you wouldn't have needed to have read any of it in order to really understand what's going on, in order to immediately know that, okay, this is where the Master Chief is, he's going here, he's going to do this. And, you know, I I don't know if any of you that are listening to this have ever played any of the Halo games, but there was an earlier one, uh, Halo 5 Guardians, and it was very maligned by the community, and the reason why it was maligned by the community was because it, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier. It just had such a heavy reliance on needing to understand this story content, this outside universe material, that you're just sitting there so frequently in the midst of the story going, what the fuck am I looking at? Who's this person? Why are they here? They just kind of show up out of the fucking blue. It's kind of the same thing with Halo 4. So both with this Dune movie, to a lesser extent, it kind of does it, but at Halo Infinite especially this new game that had just come out here that I've been playing a lot of, it showed me that you can. You can have that balance of things where you don't need to have read all the source material, you don't need to know everything about it in order to still have a really good time and still have, at that same time, though, a lot of callbacks to that source material for the people that know about it. I haven't uh, seen the new Spider-Man movie that came out, and I'm sure Brett can inform me whenever he gets back here from the restroom, but... uh, one of the things that I heard about it was is that it kind of it kind of does that as well, where there's like a couple of callbacks to like other source material or like comics or things like that, because I know that there's a lot of uh, extended universe material around all of those different characters, you know, all of the Marvel universe. Not much of a Marvel fan myself, but I definitely know of some of the uh, <clears throat> some of the outside source material. But yeah, I hear it kind of strikes that tone as well, that kind of balance where it's not completely reliant on it, but it can still maintain a really good flow where people are uh, where people are understanding everything that's going on. And the people that have read the background material, those that have read the comics, those that have seen all of the earlier movies and know all of these characters that have been around for so long within those movies can really appreciate you know, what's going on there. It's, it, it seems like such a hard balance to strike, right? Because on one end, you've got these people that they're so adherent, they're so insistent. And I kind of find myself a little bit more in this camp than the other, personally, of, uh, oh, well, things need to be consistent. You know, you got to have a consistent tone that is in line more so with what you're what you're going back to than your own kind of vision you know, if you're going to associate it with this franchise, then it's still got to maintain that identity that it's been carrying beforehand. Otherwise, why would you even keep, why would you even keep the franchise name on it at that point? It kind of goes into the, uh, I don't know if Brett's played any of them, but the Assassin's Creed games, especially the ones that have come out recently. Don't get me wrong. I don't necessarily think any of those games are bad. I don't think that they've uh, done a bad job with the actual gameplay and whatnot but they're just so loosely associated, so loosely attached with the Assassin's Creed franchise, really on any level, to the point where you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why the hell am I even playing this? Like, why is this even an Assassin's Creed game? It doesn't really make any sense for it to be an Assassin's Creed game at that point, because if you've got all of these different genres all coming together, 
And don't get me wrong, from the very beginning, from Assassin's Creed 1, it does state, yeah, there's going to be other time periods that are associated with it. It's this very long-standing organization, this very long-standing order. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to just throw the original story out the window and try to go all the way back to fucking ancient Egypt, you know, Ptolemaic Egypt, and go, oh, okay, well, this is where the birth of the assassins was. No, fuck you. (laughs) No, it isn't. No, it isn't. You're just making shit up as you go along at this point, and you're not even really associating it with the franchise itself. So why would you even bother then? Just make a new franchise, do a different franchise, and then you can be so much more liberated as far as your storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. You got to have your shareholders that are satisfied. You got to have your corporate bigwigs that all get a, get their pay cut and yada yada. And they want, out of more than anything else, stability when it comes to coming out with these new products. That's so essential to them. They've got to have that above everything else, it seems. But when you do do these new products, when you do do these entirely new concepts, these entirely new stories and these entirely new ideas, then it really does seem like yeah, you're going to you're going to run into a problem where you'll get your occasional flop. You'll get your occasional one that just doesn't resonate with people. And yeah, that's going to cost a little bit of money. But flagship uh franchises pay dividends, I would say. It's more than any of these flops would ever do in uh, terms of loss. Hey, I see you're back, Britt. Yeah, I figured if you seen that thing zoom up, you would know that I'm back. I didn't want to cut into you. Sound like you were on a bit of a roll. You ever uh, you ever thought about doing something having to do with radio? You got a good voice and you've got a lot to say. Uh, you know, I've I've heard it once or twice. I've heard that that's something that I could do. I've I've I actually uh, it's gone now because it really wasn't all that good in terms of quality or anything like that. Microphone quality, video quality, it was very rudimentary. But I used to do kind of a bit of a podcast with my buddy when I lived in uh, the small town I grew up in before I moved to this big city here. And it it, kind of got off the ground. It got a little fan community with a couple of hundred people that were following it. But eh, it seems like uh, it seems like a lot, a lot of work for uh, to get yourself off the ground in a time where uh, it seems like only the big people that are all already established really get get any of the views. I mean, I say that, but, uh, I mean, of course you've been in the game for a long time at this point, but, uh, what's been going on with you with, uh, all of your, all of your channels becoming, uh, terminated, unfortunately over this time, it's pretty impressive that you've been able to maintain the, the views and analytics that you have. I saw that video that you'd made a few days back about your uh, 10,000 views. That was pretty impressive. I got to say. Yeah, I've been getting a, I, I like this new system that YouTube's got. They've done a lot of great things, but just recently they ended up, YouTube got attacked by thousands of people recently. Did you hear about that? I did not, no. Well, if you went on Twitter, you're going to see that for two days, um, a hashtag ended up blowing up. Uh, it was called uh, YouTube Pick a Side or something like that. Um, I did make a video about it, but I was like, oh, this could get me in trouble. So I put it on my radio station instead because YouTube's a little tricky on that shit. So what happened was, is apparently there was a woman out there, calls herself Mama something, had a YouTube channel where she spent her time 
uh, basically exposing pedophiles, zoophiles, uh, animal abusers, rapists that are on the internet. It's and just she, abhorrent people. Yeah, she ended up exposing a huge pedo ring on YouTube where they're posting videos of violating children and also recording children in awkward positions. Also people killing animals and uh, doing sexual things to them. So what she ended up doing is she, you know, revealed these channels and of course reported them, but YouTube ended up getting rid of her. And she was like 500,000 subscribers into her YouTube account whenever this happened. So the entire YouTube community, well, the people who pay, pay attention to her and Twitter and a bunch of social media sites, they went after YouTube and Google. They said, what are you doing? You allow this kind of filth on the network, but you get rid of the people who expose the criminal behavior. You know, that, it just doesn't make sense. No, it really doesn't seem to make any sense on any level. And that just seems to be such a prolific thing. It's not necessarily the first time, unfortunately, that YouTube's been so just bass backwards, for lack of a better term, when it comes to this uh, to this different content that shows up on their site. I remember back in, you know, 2016, 2017, I'm sure you'll remember this time as well, where this like this first kind of wave of exposure of all of these different channels that you're talking about here, like these pedo rings, these grooming channels, all of these different, really abhorrent, just awful content was really actually coming to light by all of these people. And YouTube wasn't necessarily that bad at that point. They weren't trying to get rid of people that were trying to speak out about it. Like I didn't know it was getting anywhere near that bad at this point, Jesus Christ. But at that point in time, they were basically just, shutting their you know putting their fingers in their ears and pretending like they couldn't hear it weren't really doing anything about it because they're just it seemingly at the time anyways they were just so scared of them associating with it on any level whatsoever that it would harm their public image not realizing hey no matter what this shit is still on their website so it's still gonna hurt their image no matter what whether or not they do actually acknowledge it I don't know. It's it's such a trippy it's such a tricky subject because on one hand, right, of course, it's I'm not going to even attempt on any level to try and dispute that that shit should be taken down. But YouTube is such a big website. You've got so many people uploading on here. It's so many points in the day. I think it's like what like 2-3 million minutes worth of content are uploaded every single hour on the website. So how do you moderate all of that, really? How do you make sure that every single little bit of that is properly controlled? But now here you are sitting here telling me that, oh, well, all this stuff is actually getting rounded up by this person. All this stuff is actually getting collected. And now that it's been presented to them basically on a silver platter, they're just sitting there going, oh, well, you're gone. <laughs> like, what? My, uh, my suggestion that I made on the uh, radio deal is I used to do a lot of videos myself where I would see a YouTube channel doing something, or I remember seeing a channel a while back where uh, someone, it was a guy who was doing uh, Minecraft videos, and he liked to create animations of the characters, children characters in Minecraft doing sexual positions and all this. And I told people about it, and I showed some of the thumbnails the guy was using, and people said, oh, man, you, you just call everybody this and that. And people got ignorant with me. Well, the guy ended up getting arrested. The guy ended up actually going down for what he did. And 
uh, people would go, oh, my goodness. But during the time whenever I exposed him, I was like considered the biggest asshole in the world for doing it. And I seen what was happening. It was just uh, amazing. So my suggestion for anybody out there, if you see something like that, if you see someone throwing a dog off a cliff or choking it to death or doing something vile to a child, whether it be sexual or they're like beating the shit out of their kid on the Internet, um, take that damn video and the information, go to Twitter and send it to the FBI and some of these organizations like that. Don't try to like make a public spectacle about it. Because I got to thinking to myself, too, if I put it on video, then people may decide to take justice into their own hands. And I realize now as I'm older, it's more wiser to just let the police handle it and not make it public. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's way better in those situations to try and keep it under wraps. I don't know, though. It's when it comes to, and I hear what you're saying, you know, when you come across a video of, uh, you know, a, a mom beating the shit out of their kid or them just being an awful parent and doing all of this. I remember there was that, uh, what was its name? Uh, Daddy 05, I'm pretty sure was its name. Just this channel where these kids are just constantly getting yelled at and a not necessarily getting beaten on, but just basically getting emotionally abused at all hours of the day, especially the youngest of them. You know, you you, you find one of those videos, you're absolutely right. You should try to put it more in a private context where you take it to the police or the FBI, you show them it, you try to get any evidence you can about it. But when you come across like such a prolific system, you know, where there's so many different things involved in it, there's so many cogs in this machine that have to be there in order for such a, such a network of just evil for lack of a better term you know i say that as an atheist agnostic but really it's hard not to call it evil just because of how abhorrent it is it's it's almost hard not to in the public interest more than anything else make sure that people are made aware of that make sure that people know that this is going on because yeah of course if you take it to the police there's a decent chance that they're going to handle it in an effective manner but I think it's in the best interests of everybody that they get let known that all of these people are out here on the internet trying to take advantage of these other people, whether it be in their own personal lives or whether they're taking advantage of, you know, other people over the internet. It's, it's equally bad in my opinion. I know some people out there might argue that they would say, Brett, you should publicly expose this stuff. Who gives a damn if somebody goes knocking down their door and, you know, turning them into a damn pretzel and all this, but as some I've had some interesting experiences happen to me on the internet, Aiden. I don't know if you were around during these times. Do you remember the guy who ended up doing a broadcast where he uh, took a knife and he was starting to talk about cutting his wrist right on a live broadcast? Were you around during this time? I wasn't directly around during that time, but it was only a year or two after the fact that I had seen all those videos coming out of like, basically almost like the earliest form of commentary on YouTube, like people going back and obviously not playing necessarily the footage itself or anything like that, but going like, Holy shit, this is what was going on with this guy. And this was what was happening. I forget his name, but yeah, wasn't necessarily around for that direct thing. No. Well, what, what eventually happened and it taught me a great thing. Uh, I, I learned something very powerful this day. See, I was actually there. Obviously, I've been around for many years. I had people who messaged me, and I got notifications stating that there's a 
there's an atheist who is on video who has been drinking a lot and apparently he was depressed something shitty happened for him and he was wanting to kill himself well i go over to the video and i think that i was probably about a year or two into the whole theism thing at that point and I'm looking at the comments section while he's up there on a, I think it was a Google Hangout that he was running. It wasn't StreamYards. And he was talking about how he, he just wanted to end it, that his girlfriend didn't want to have nothing to do with him anymore. He couldn't get off drugs or whatever. And he was really, really wielding this knife like he was ready to do something. And instead of people saying, hey, man, everything's going to be okay. Just let it all cool down. Instead, he was a popular guy and it seemed as though he was very likable, but people were telling him that he ought to kill himself. Yeah. They wanted to see him do it on video. And I kept on uh, saying, dude, let me in to talk to you and everything. I eventually got to come into the room and talk to him and everything and cool him down. I suggested he take him a really, really cold ass shower and everything like that. And later on, he went on as if, you know, nothing had ever happened, but, it was horrible. They almost encouraged him to end his life. No, I I remember actually. Yeah, like I'd said before, you know, you I'd gone back and seen those uh, commentaries about what had happened, and one of the big things that uh, that people were discussing at the time was just like, and it and it, and it kind of shocked me too because even in this like, in, even in the context of it being a couple of years after the fact, you know, even after this is. A, this had gone on, the events had happened, this guy, as you had said, had gone on with his life and was doing better for himself. There's still people sitting in these comment sections of these commentary videos going, oh man, I wish the guy had just fucking done it, or oh man, I that guy's such a pussy because he just went online and tried to cry about it instead of just doing it, and you just... It's so hard to look at shit like that and go like, holy fuck, is this really like, are these even the same, are these members of the same species as me? What the fuck are these people on? <laughs> I think there's uh, some people have what I would refer to as disassociation where they see people on videos, but they don't actually see people to them. It's like a television show or a fucking drama. So when they see, there are people out there who are very sociopathic where they feel some kind of power off of seeing another person controlled or manipulated or hurt in some kind of way whether it's emotional or physical and there's a lot of people like that believe it or not it's shocking oh i you know i i don't know how much you would want to get into it whether or not you want to get into it at all really but um you know going back i've seen a lot of people over the years that were really fixated and really just kind of viewed you kind of in that way, shape or form, like more just as like this cartoon character than this actual human being. It's just this thing that can be kicked around and just yelled at and always just treated like garbage. But really <laughs> once again, going back to what I said before, you try to take a look at things from both sides and that really isn't what happened at all. Like I said, we don't have to talk about that at all. If you don't want to though. We can talk about anything that you like. Um, I, I understand what you're getting at. I've, uh, I still, to this day, from time to time, someone will leave a comment, but it'll end up in my um, got a review uh, in the comments section type of thing. Like if they use a word that is ignorant, the blacklist picks it up and then I can read it. 
but I don't allow all these type of comments to go up on the board. I've had people who have repeatedly told me in graphic terms on how I should end my life. And uh, I remember uh, I did end up allowing one a while back and I responded with, you know, I've heard that same description from 10 other people. I, I, I would think by now you guys would come up with a more creative plan for me. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it always hang yourself from a tree? If I right. look like a guy who can climb a tree and do that in the first place, I'd probably do more damage to the branches. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jump off the cliff. As big as I am, I hit the ground, I tilt the earth, and everybody dies. No, 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 no. we're not going to do it that way. See, that's just the thing. You got to be a bit self-effacing, especially on the internet. You can't, you can't take yourself too seriously. Otherwise, you're just going to get dragged into the dirt. There's, I learned that very, very quickly on my online experiences. You know, like some of the first ever online experience I really ever had. You know, I'd go into like because I. Uh, I'd go over to the public library and they had this version of AOL installed on there. So I'd go onto those chat rooms and talk with everybody. And yeah, you, you had to have a thick skin on there if you wanted to get anywhere and actually like actually get to know anybody or have any decent rapport. Otherwise you'd just be labeled a pussy and get kicked the fuck out of rooms left, right and center. And then a little bit of time goes by, you actually get your own device. And then it was onto the things like Stickham. Oh man, <laughs> Stickham was interesting go and talk with all these different people that you just you, you never even knew someone was capable of being that unhinged you know <laughs> just truly interesting people i guess is the best way of putting it the internet's can you, a very... can you give me one moment i don't know what the hell's going on if one of my neighbor's vehicles is can you hear that me 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 very me. faintly very well, faintly. it's loud as hell over here if it wasn't for my condenser mic it would be extremely irritating. I got to look outside, see what the deal is. Yep. And then we can get right back into conversation. Go ahead and talk about whatever you like. You uh, you seem like you're able to rock and roll. You and I are going to have to talk about having you do a radio voice or something. I'll be right back. <laughs> Sounds good. <clears throat> well, I guess getting back into kind of the role of what we were talking about before, um, you know, the viewing of people as kind of like this just this different person i know very much so especially nowadays with the advent of things like instagram and facebook and well i guess more the proliferation of facebook that rather than the invention of it but the, the tiktok all these different social media websites i don't use them a heck of a lot really i may sound like a little bit of a boomer as far as that's concerned but that's more or less just because i like i said i don't use them a whole bunch but it's it very much so seems like in a world where so many people just want to project this fake persona, this fake image of themselves out to the world. One of the biggest things I really do miss about the old internet was just the lack of that really being a necessity. Now that's not to say, you know, you would go on things like MySpace or whatnot, or even these rooms I was talking about and you'd encounter characters. There've always been characters on the internet. I'm not going to say that that isn't the case. But it really does seem like the the genuine everyday person that just goes about their their business, it, it, they've kind of become more or less extinct on the internet. It really does seem uh, so hard to find somebody with just a down-to-earth view on things that you can sit down and have a conversation with and be cordial with because everybody's got to be rambunctious and grandiose and they've got to be angry all the time or they've got to put up this 
this front of them always being this one character type or another and it just it becomes so exhausting really to one extent or another when you encounter so many different people over time that just endlessly do nothing but project rather than actually be who they are and that's one of the big reasons why i like sitting here and having conversations with brett is because you know he's one of the few people that you can actually really sit down with and uh be cordial be down to earth with you can't really have hangouts or discussions with too many people nowadays where there isn't you know some big important topic and i know that religion was kind of like the impetus for this conversation but one of the things i love about these kind of talks is the fact that that doesn't necessarily need to be like the only thing that's talked about that's not to say we might not get back into it again later on i'm sure we might but the fact that it's just so like open and free form you're actually able to really kind of sit down, stretch your legs and not worry about it. It's really conducive to me at the very least is something that um, is way more entertaining, way more engaging of content, not only to participate into, not only to participate in, but to listen to as well. You know, like all these old hangouts that, uh, that Brett had back in the day with all these different people, even just a couple of years back, you know, I, I always loved going into them because because you would get that take on things. It very much so almost kind of did feel like those old chat rooms, those old uh, boards where you were actually able to talk about things and express all these different ideas. And people aren't always just, you know, having to portray these grandiose narratives or be these different people that they're not. It's just everyday people sitting there either shooting the shit or arguing about shit and hashing it out. You know, it's, it's, it's so much more natural feeling in that context. And, you really would think in a time where th there's more people online right now than ever before. There's more content creators than there've ever been at any other point in time, at least as far as I'm concerned, or I know. And in a time where there are so many different people, where you have so many different voices, it seems like there is, there's never been less variety is really what I'm trying to get across. There's never been less variety as far as, You've, you've got a few different character archetypes. You've got the guy that's always angry. You've got the guy that's always trying to stir up drama. you got the guy that's, you know, just... <clears throat> all sorts of different ones. Sorry, I can't necessarily think of a, a bunch of different archetypes off the top of my head. Maybe that's just conducive of the fact that there really aren't a whole bunch, you know? Hey, man, I'm back. Sorry about that. Nothing that a baseball bat and a stick of dynamite couldn't fix, but uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently my uh, <laughs> apparently my neighbor is likes to dick with their car whenever it's nighttime. I don't know what they're thinking when they're doing that, but late night, December twenty seventh, that's the best time to tune your car, right? Yeah, and they decided to set it off, and uh, I screamed out at him. I said, "I'm doing a live damn podcast right now. Couldn't you have done that earlier this morning or something?" What's the problem? Have some, uh, you know, decency there, fella. Yeah, yeah no kidding. So, yeah, we get along. I'm, I just like to give people shit. <laughs> it doesn't seem like you just like to give them shit if they're doing shit like that to you. I got to tell you, I um, before I ended up moving to the big city here with my girlfriend, I I was living in a uh, in a townhouse kind of thing with a couple of buddies of mine. And there's this guy that lived in the basement. And the way that the house is connected his vent from downstairs would basically go directly up to me. And this guy fucking loved karaoke. That's not to say that he was good at it, but he fucking loved karaoke. So you would just hear in the middle of the goddamn night, the most 
god-awful fucking he tried to do almost like this kind of like deeper tenor voice is the worst thing you know like there's certain notes that if you you don't necessarily hit them all that well especially the high ones you know they're gonna sound bad but if you're if you're gonna try to maintain a lower tone intonation when you sing and you can't even pull that off jesus christ you got no hope in my opinion (laughs) it's not your thing buddy you gotta try something else so yeah neighbors and different people that you got to live with it's it's always a pain in the ass i'm really lucky in that the people that i'm around right now i was really worried moving into the city because you know you got so many more people around you than you were worried about in town so ergo you'd think to yourself that oh well then you're gonna have more problems there's gonna be more problematic neighbors or something like that people being too loud i had you know December 24th, I was uh, all by my, well, no, December 23rd, sorry, I was all by myself for a decent period of time because my uh, girlfriend was doing Christmas shopping and whatnot, and as I told you, I've got some uh, some troubles with my hips, so I can't always necessarily accompany her, there's always a decent amount of pain, but it was a particularly bad day. Anyway, um, the neighbors, they were, they were playing music all loud all throughout the night, like to the point where you could hear it through the wall, and I'm pretty sure that a dual townhouse kind of arrangement that i'm in right now as well but there's a there's a layer of brick between these walls and if you can hear it clear as day through those i'm thinking to myself oh man i gotta go out there through the snow and i gotta go tell them so i go to their front door and i say look man i'm not trying to be an asshole here i'm not trying to be a stick in the mud but if i can hear your music through the wall then you've got it a little bit too loud it's one in the morning can you turn it down Luckily, even then, you know, they'd actually turn it down and be decent about it. So I'm pretty lucky in that regard. I hear you. And the problem with these people who like to blast loud music, it's never the good stuff either. No. I'm always like, dude, if you're going to blast some shit, don't have it be opera and reggae. Throw on some Metallica. What's wrong with you, sir? honestly (laughs) yeah it's funny you say that because it was it was reggae that was going on the entire time and you know what i don't dislike reggae every now and then it's just like a thing to chill out and listen to but you gotta play in at like 80 100 decibels i think that kind of defeats the chill purpose of it if it's destroying your fucking eardrums (laughs) uh but I don't know. As far as the uh, as far as the city is concerned, God, trying to trying to learn how to navigate in such a different environment is definitely interesting. Because the place that I grew up in had a population of about ten thousand people at the very peak, so it's not it's not like a tiny town or anything like that. But it's still compared to a city of you know one point five million people, it's basically a neighborhood. So. <laughs> I'll tell you, I ended up, I had an appointment for uh, cortisone injections a little while back for my hip. And um, I looked on the map on Google Maps and I'd never looked on the the top part of my map before. Like the part that uh, tells you how far it is in terms of like time, how much time it tells you to get there. Because town I grew up in, most you'd be spending walking, be like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes if you're going all the way from one side of the town to the other. So I'm thinking, oh man, this is tiny in comparison to the size of the city. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have to worry about going from one place to the other at all. But I thank God I ended up taking a look real quick. It was two hours and twenty seven minutes or something like that. It would have taken me walking all the way there, and with like I told you, what I've got, that would have been no good. Not to be a not to be a, a party pooper or anything, but I don't know if you realize this, but you just said that. Uh, 
thank God. Are you getting uh, into a conversion army already? I haven't even put any effort towards it. <laughs> no, no, I just use the terminology. I'm a poser. That's what I am. I like to say that every now and then when people call me out on things like that. I use the terminology, but I don't have the beliefs. Just more out of convenience than anything else. So when you were talking about the arthritis earlier, though, um, I I don't know why, but I had this strange idea that this was something that you were concerned was going to affect you more in the future but you're saying that it's so it's gotten so bad that you're not able to uh, go out places sometimes unless there is some kind of medication involved uh a, a little bit i i really try to keep the medication to uh an absolute minimum right now just for pretty obvious reasons i don't i don't want to become dependent or anything like that but yeah, the, there's definitely days where, you know, most of the time right now it's all right. I'll, I'll be able to go out for a decent period of time and be able to come back and feel perfectly fine. But right now, yeah, there's, especially with the cold, with it being as cold as it is right now, I don't know if you know uh, Fahrenheit to Celsius all that well at all. Here, I'll try to pull up a converter real quick, but it's about minus 34 degrees Celsius where I'm at right now. Not quite sure what that'd be in terms of Fahrenheit, probably about a yeah, you know, seventy or something like that, negative seventy, eighty. Oh, if you live in you live in Canada, right? Yeah. You sure you're not at the North Pole and becoming an Eskimo? <laughs> no, that's my buddy. My buddy lives over in uh, Yellowknife, over in the Northwest Territories. I'm lucky. I live in the southern half of Canada, where at least you get some period of time where there isn't snow on the ground. I asked him when he was moving. I was like, "What the hell are you doing out there? Like, you're gonna go and like." pan for gold or go and work on the oil rigs or something like that if you're going to live all the way up there right oh no just going up there because i want to go see what it's like and see what kind of uh what kind of work i can get up there that isn't anything like that i'm like you're fucking crazy man i wouldn't be able to do it and he's thinking of moving now because he said he's like oh man i've heard the summers aren't that bad out there gave me a call last summer while i'm sitting there in my backyard just beautiful weather couldn't have been more couldn't have been better honestly like just absolutely idyllic conditions he's like it's covered in mosquitoes out here it's all damp and moist i fucking hate it out here i'm coming back as soon as i can and i was like well yeah no shit man i don't know why you went out there in the first place but <laughs> canada is a very interesting place especially the province where i'm at it's uh the motto for weather out here is if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes because we're in the middle of so many different climate zones. It always changes around. I couldn't, you know, I, I like the cold more than I like the heat and stuff. Uh, As you know, I've been accused of being an aquatic creature. So I, I definitely <laughs> prefer it a little cooler, <laughs> but uh, I've got a, you mind if I ask you a couple spiritual questions? Cause obviously people are going to want to hear your thoughts on things. We can continue to talk about all kinds of things from movies and everything. Cause I love talking about it, but I do got some new interesting questions. I think you might uh, like to take a stab at. Oh yeah, sure. By, by all means, go ahead. All right. I, I do want to ask you kind of an older question. I know I've probably asked you this before, but I know that you're constantly uh, an evolving person. And I'm not like talking about the ancient rat to the primate thing. Just you're constantly uh, putting a lot of thought into your position and who you are as a person. My question for you is, do you believe in the possibility of God? 
I do. I do think that there's definitely a chance that he's out there. And I'll even put it a little bit further than that. I'll say that to the point where I would want that to be the case. You know, I think I might have touched upon that very briefly earlier in our discussion. But yeah, no, I. it would certainly make life a lot easier to live if uh, if I were to know that there were a God, an all-loving God that was out there that was watching over me. But that's just it. That's the hang-up for me is knowing for a fact that that's the case. You know, I, I know as well that a lot of Christianity is very contingent on faith, on uh, on having this faith that you can't ever know for sure. But I just, I can't, I can't seem to make that emotional hurdle. I can't really give myself over to something and dedicate my life. This only life that I know for a fact that I'm going to have this only time on this earth that I know for a fact, I'm going to be able to experience to something. If I don't know for a fact that it's there, that might've been a bit of a longer answer. Sorry about that. No, I, I appreciate you putting thought into things. I would prefer that you actually expand upon it as opposed to no. Yes. And, uh, you know, just kind of some parroted Rudy Pukandi-ass comment. You've always been very extensive and expansive with your responses. That's why I like you. That's why we're, it's you and I having a conversation right now. I, I consider you cool as fuck. But I, 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 do, you, man. I do have to ask you, though, for one, why is it that you believe in the possibility of God in the first place? Why even believe that? And then the next would obviously be, why would you want it to be the case? I I believe in the possibility in the exact same vein that I can't be sure that that he isn't there, you know, it, with the very limited s- scope of our knowledge as a species, even just our knowledge as individual beings, we can't know for sure in the same vein that there's that there's not a god that there is one, you know. I I th- I find somebody that is so anti-theistic, you know, hates the idea of religion so much and says that they know for an absolute fact beyond any doubt that there is no God. I think they're just as ignorant, in my opinion, as somebody that holds their beliefs so, so steadfast to them that they're not even able to listen to the other side of things. Because, you know, that's the difference between some of the people I discussed with you earlier that I'd had encounters with in my life and, you know, me and you sitting here having this discussion is we may not necessarily agree on everything, but that doesn't mean that, um, doesn't mean that we can't still sit here and have a dialogue about it and, uh, responding to your next question. Why would I want that to be the case? Because it, um, I, like I said before, I'm very much so of the opinion that, it makes things a lot easier and a lot simpler for there to be a God, you know, the idea that I have an actual savior watching down over me, looking down over me, that is actually rooting for me and that cares about me and that it does want only what is best for me. That is a very appealing idea. I really don't know a single person that wouldn't be lying to me if they said that that isn't a very appealing idea because why would you want a universe that's cold and fundamentally meaningless? You know, I, even though I, I'm of the opinion that we can make our own meaning ourselves, that we can extrapolate what meaning we want from this universe. I think at the very least, some people say, Oh, it'd be stupid if there was an objective reality, if there was a real actual reason for you being here. But I think that the, once again, it goes back to the fact that I think they're lying to themselves. Why would this idea, this this seeking out of an objective morality, of this objective way of living your life, why would that be so prolific within people 
if they didn't yearn for that within themselves, at least on a subconscious level. Even these people that claim to have all this hate in their hearts and completely cordoned off to this idea of that being the case, I think at least to one extent or another, they feel that within themselves because it's, it's in my experience, very much so a driving force for why people still get up in the morning, even if they aren't of those personal views or of those opinions, because why wouldn't you want to seek out a real objective reason for you to live your life? See, it's interesting that you say that. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I have so much respect for you because you're absolutely honest. You're not trying to feed into some kind of pride or ego or, or impress people. You're your own man. You're not a part of the hive mind type of mentality. You're saying that if there is no God, um, there could not possibly be any kind of uh, objective meaning or purpose. Any meaning that you have, it would have to be some kind of temporal thing that you grasp on into life. You see that. You you notice that. Because I've brought this up, and people tend to get triggered and angry, but you you get it. You understand what the hell I'm talking about on that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's... I, I don't know why people are so hung up on it, to be completely honest with you. The fact that if people are so hung up on this fat, this idea of, oh, well, you know what? God doesn't exist and I can make this meaning for myself and that's all that I need for myself. That's perfectly fine in my view. If you really, really fundamentally believe that within yourself, then whatever. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. As long as you're not using those beliefs or those views to hurt anybody, then you go right the fuck ahead and you believe whatever the hell you want. But I'm still going to tell you that I believe at least on some subconscious level that you're being dishonest with yourself and that you need to do a little bit more introspection and a little bit more soul searching in order to actually find that answer out. And, you know, I'm not closed off to the idea of me being wrong on that either. You know, you mentioned earlier that I'm a, a person that tries to evolve and change their views. And it's true. I, I'm very much so my own biggest critic in that I, I'll always question why I hold the views that I do and why I, why that is the case, not necessarily out of a lack of conviction within those beliefs. It's actually the very opposite of that. If you can't hold your beliefs and your views up to scrutiny, if you can't hold them up to the spotlight of your own scrutiny or other people's scrutiny and, have it stand the test of that scrutiny, then why do you hold those views in my opinion? You know, like why would you take the time to, to, to believe so strongly in something, but then at the same time be closed off in having that worldview expanded or having that worldview changed. I think at that point it's, it, it goes into, into willful ignorance and into the fact that once again, if you want to believe that, if you want to live your life that way, as long as you're not affecting anybody else or teaching anybody else these, you know, these ignorant views or trying to spread those ignorant views and whatever, that's perfectly fine. I don't care. You know, I, I realize that one of the reasons uh, why you are so thoughtful in a lot of your ideas is because you've actually tried to put yourself in the shoes of the other positions. You've actually tried to think of why it is people have these views. And that's incredible that you do that. And I think that that makes you an amazing person who would be capable of good arguments and intellectual discussion. Mike, the next question I'm going to ask you is probably something that should be reserved for a spiritual religious person. But something tells me that you're going to give a pretty interesting ass answer on this. Why is it that 
it necessarily means that you have to have a supreme deity with all of the omni attributes in order to have the objective meaning and purpose and all this. Why do you think that is? Sorry, uh, your audio kind of cut out there a little bit. Could you repeat that question? All right. Did you hear the part where I said this should probably be reserved for a religious person? Yeah, I cut off a little bit in, uh, into that. Sorry. Well, I was saying that uh, being that you have put yourself in the shoes of other people's views and positions, I think that you would do good at answering this specific question. Yes. Why do you think it is that it necessarily means that you have to have a supreme deity that has all the omni attributes in order for meaning and purpose to actually be objective? Why does the universe have to have God in order for this to happen? Obviously, this is a question for religious people, but something tells me that you got something on your uh, plate for that. Yeah, no, uh, that's actually a very interesting question, and I I don't think I've actually ever been asked that before, so that's rather fascinating. Um, Really, when it comes down to it, I think that in order for there to be an objective meaning, in order for there to be an actual purpose for us in order to to live our lives by in order to base our morals off of that would be impossible without the presence of any kind of divine created being, because at that point it kind of, kind of, sorry, it kind of goes back to what we had discussed before in terms of uh, honesty. You know, if, if you are this one singular being, this one out of hundreds of millions, if not hundreds of billions of people that have existed over the entire span of human history, who has their own perspective, who has their own worldview, that doesn't make your worldview any more or any less important or any more or any less meaningful by itself, by virtue of itself existing than any other person's viewpoint or opinion. It really would only be within the hands of the true creator of those beings, the true architect of that universe, of the things that exist within it to define Otherwise, it does really truly just come down to it being your own personal opinion. Now, the value of that own personal opinion that you have within yourself, that isn't me trying to say that that's meaningless. Of course, it's not meaningless. You know, just because you're one of hundreds of billions of people that have existed within time, that doesn't mean that your viewpoint is going to become invalid because you're eventually going to vanish into dust. Look at all of the people that have come and gone in our time and in times thousands of years past that still fundamentally influence our lives, that still influence the way that we perceive the universe and how we go about things. I think that there absolutely is value within that, but it's only value that is created by ourselves and by the, by those that come after ourselves. If that answers your question. No, I think that was a great answer. I think you're right on point. My next question is going to be uh, a little rough. From the point and beginning of the universe, if you could give a number on how many things had to go correctly or arrange themselves in a certain way, how many things had to happen for you and I to be having this discussion today? Oh, in terms of sheer variability? Yeah, no, it's it's uncountable, I would probably argue. If you want to go back to the very beginning of things up until this point, it really is a matter of uh, how long of a time... Sp- how long of a time span you're talking about, but, you know, given what you just said, I'm going to assume that you mean the overall time span of things, everything that's occurred. And it's true. It's basically uncountable. The amount of different factors that would have had to have taken place in order for us to be sitting here having this conversation. 
But I'm of the viewpoint that, yes, of course, while that is extremely unlikely, that doesn't take away from the fact that we can still sit here and know that we're having that conversation right now. And that although it is extremely unlikely that that was to take place, it was also extremely unlikely that the person down the road from me tomorrow is going to win the lottery. But you know what? There's still very much so a distinct possibility of that happening. I think that people get so lost in the, the, the scale of those numbers that they forget the fact that, yes, of course, it's extremely unlikely. It's very near, near to impossible that those things were to happen. But there's so, so few things in life that are really well and truly fundamentally impossible. So I hope that that answers your question sufficiently, because, yeah, while there isn't necessarily a very high chance that we would have sat down and had this conversation, I just think that it doesn't necessarily have any bearing one way or another that this is the reality that we currently live in where we are having that discussion. Back whenever I was a non-believer, I heard Stephen Hawking during an interview get asked one of the same type of questions that I just asked you, but it was more directed at him being alive in the first place. It had nothing to do with a chat room or an interview. It had how many things had to happen in order for you to be sitting in front of us now, Stephen Hawking? And he used a lot of the same words that you just did. He was like, impossible. We shouldn't actually exist according to the just unsurmountable number. To me, even though I was a non-believer, it sounded a hell of a lot like miracle. <laughs> See, that's just it, though. I, it kind of goes back into... Uh, what we were discussing before, um, there are definitely things that do seem like miracles. You know, a really good example of that, I would say, is uh, the man that had... There was a man in Texas, I forget the specific case of it, but he, over the course of his life, had been struck by lightning half a dozen times. And, you know, I we, we very much so associate miracles, these very very unlikely things happening with fortunate events. But then you take a look at the inverse, the people that have become extremely disfortunate, extremely unlucky, and have been extremely disaffected by the odds rather than extremely affected by them. And I, I, I think that that really, in my personal view, kind of flies in the face of the idea of miracles, because while there is, of course, the idea that these things are very unlikely, if not impossible to happen, you know, the things that Christ did within the Bible are most certainly not statistically possible. That's just in the realm of pure miracle. But these very unlikely things, you know, things like Stephen Hawking's birth, they still do have an actual number associated to them. They still are something that we can look back on statistically and determine, yeah, it was very unlikely that he was going to be born and it was very unlikely he was going to be born with the mind that he had, but it was still possible the same way that it was still possible for that Texan man to be struck by lightning half a dozen times over the course of his life. You know, it's interesting that you say that and you make a valid point. You're like, yeah, but what about all the, the negative things that happened? What about all the unfortunate events? Excellent, valid points. And then I ask myself, how many unfortunate terrible things had to happen yet again for you to exist oh absolutely it's it it goes back into what i was saying before it's the sheer number of different events different avenues of of those events 
that would have had to have been crossed and gone down in order for these these circumstances that we find ourselves right now where me and you are sitting here talking or me and you existing in the first place in the time that we exist at the same time in order to have that conversation it's extremely unlikely and i don't take any i, I might sound a little bit blunt by saying this but i just i don't take any stock in the institute in statistical unlikeliness of that because at the end of the day we're still here and if it was truly a miracle you know, if it was truly impossible, going back into what we, what I was saying before about the miracles that Christ himself had committed in the Bible, the miracles of the different prophets before him, those things, those are the ones that really, you know, if I were to witness something like that over the course of my life, that's when I would really, I think something like that would flip the switch for me. Now, maybe I'm selfish in saying that, that I want to see something actually happen in order to really manifest itself for that to happen. But then I, I go back and I look at these people in the Bible, especially people like Thomas, you know, Thomas, the apostle doubting Thomas. And he had the extreme fortune that so many hundreds of millions of Christians, if not billions of Christians after him did not have in that he actually got to see Christ resurrect himself from the dead. He actually got to see him walking upon the earth after he had died you know, if these events had actually taken place, of course, I'm saying, you know, I'm trying to talk right now, going back to what you'd said about putting ourselves in each other's shoes. I'm putting myself in the Christian worldview here for a moment. You know, he, he was so fortunate in that in that worldview in order to see these things actually happen to the point where I just I I look at that and I go, how is it fair? How is it at all just or balanced or or even that these these 12 individuals were able to see these events actually take place, that were able to see these events really happen. And they, of course, get special treatment because they've seen it, because they believed. But it's pretty easy to believe, in my opinion, when you see these things happen, when you see, uh, when you see Simon and uh, James, the fishermen, in the story of, uh, in, the, uh, in the book of James, where they're both on the lake, and Simon is trying to find the fish that he needs in order to settle his debts with the Romans before he gets taken to jail by the debt collector. And Christ, at the very final moment when he's sitting there on the banks, just absolutely dejected, and he fills his boat to the very brim with fish, I, in my, in my view, it's very easy at that point to, to wholeheartedly put yourself behind somebody and to to dedicate your life to that person when you've actually seen those events happen so i don't necessarily think it's unfair for me to want that you obviously realize that it wasn't the disciples but just also tons of witnesses according to the bible and even if we mm -hmm. were not to put the bible into the mix there's been millions of people throughout time who have claimed to see the manifestation of god and you never know, you, there may be a day where you actually get to see something even greater than the disciples themselves. And you know what? I, I want that to be the case. You know, it goes back into what we had said before. I, um, Although I sit here and I cannot tell you with any honesty whatsoever that I'm a believer, I can most certainly tell you with a full-fledged honesty that I want to be one and that that is what it would take in order for me to be one. But my hope at that point is is that you know this god that is apparently both equal equally mercy and equally judgmental you know and also infinite within his understanding would be able to take a look at that position and maybe give me a helping hand 
Would you um, be willing to uh, try to do something in your own privacy and all that? Do you have a deck or anything on your house? Uh, yeah, we've got a little area. Okay, so whenever you get an opportunity, uh, just go out sometime. I'm sure you've probably attempted this. You seem like you're open-minded of a person. You probably already tried this, but every once in a while, go out and say, if there's anyone up there listening to me, I just want to let you know that I appreciate the beautiful woman that has been brought into my life. I appreciate these good, supportive family members that I have and the, the fantastic friends that I've had throughout my entire life, the ones that are gone and the ones still with me. And just every once in a while, put out a, a thank you. Everybody who prays, they're always asking for stuff, but they never seem to thank God for the things they do have. You, you might want to try that. You might find something interesting happen. You know, I... um. I find that really interesting what you said, and I'll absolutely take you up on that advice. I'll be sure to to do that. But you bring up a very interesting point in that you're absolutely correct. A lot of these people, and I, I can't really blame them. You know, I try to look at their shoes, and a lot of these people that are asking for things, at least a decent amount of them, aren't trying to really ask for them out of out of any kind of duress. But yeah, they're they're very self focused. They're very focused on asking for rather. Than, than thanking for what they already do have. And I can't say that I'm innocent of that. You know, I'm a victim of, you know, that, that fixation. It, it very much so opened my eyes just how quickly, because this, this thing that had happened to me, I will inform you that uh, it, it wasn't just a one day affair. It was a multi like three or four day long thing where I was very slowly pulled into this thing and made more and more convinced that this was a legitimate organization. So I very much so had this opportunity in that in that time. It's kind of strange word to put in that, but I had this chance that so few people do in those circumstances to actually really ruminate on what I was going to do with all of this new income, what I was going to do with all of this new freedom that a position like this would have provided for me. And it really allowed me after the fact, you know, in those coming days after that I'd had the wool pulled from my eyes and finally realized that I was getting taken advantage of to actually reflect on that and actually realize, you know, goddamn, it really is easy to fall down that pit of just worrying about yourself and becoming so fixated on these things that, and it wasn't even necessarily worrying about yourself, but just becoming so fixated on those things that you don't have. Cause I think that's kind of what you're getting at there. These people are praying, Oh God, please give me, please give me good tidings. Please give me money. Please give me a new house. Please give me all of these different things that they want, but they so few of them actually take the time to really actually thank him for what they do have. So you make a really good point in that. Well, I've, uh, I've, I've noticed, you know, we were talking earlier about um, unfortunate things and, and negative things that happen. Strangely, in this universe, sometimes a, a really terrible thing will happen and something great will happen because of it. Can I give you an example of something that I think you might find fascinating? Oh, absolutely. Feel free. I remember whenever I was an atheist, there was a young woman who ended up getting a hold of me and she said... Uh, I lost my faith in God because I don't understand why God allowed me to be brutally beat up and raped. I don't understand this, and I'm now an atheist and all this kind of thing. And off and on, I talked to this young lady uh, 
or in messages, it was very difficult to have conversations with her because she kind of lost trust in men, if that uh, makes, it yeah. makes sense to you and all this. But uh, for some reason, she felt like I was the person to talk to. But what ended up happening is uh, she kind of went away for a little bit. And a couple of years, I, I, I'm looking at my Facebook, and I noticed that she was starting to put God stuff on her, her, on her profile. Uh, crosses and uh, shiny light and all this. And I also noticed that she was sitting with some person who looked like a younger sister or something. And I'm like, uh, what's going on here? I, I thought that you were an atheist. And she said, well, whenever I got raped, I ended up getting pregnant. I had a child. And this is my daughter, and she's my miracle from God. And uh, whew, that just kind of blew me away. So sometimes unfortunate things happen to us, and then something great, uh, believe it or not, can be the outcome. You know, and right now, I'm really, I'm thinking that um, this lesson that I've taken away, at the very least, is a, is a positive, because I'll tell you, even though I don't have a heck of a lot of money right now, I don't have a heck of a lot of means of supporting myself at the moment. I've got enough to keep myself going right now. And at the end of the day, that money that it was lost is temporary. It really is. It's going to go away. It's going to fade away. And it's going to certainly not last nearly as long as the experience that I'd gained from this. And that's really what I try to take away from things when I go in my day-to-day life is not necessarily, especially now, not what can I gain from this in the short term, but what can I learn from this in the long term? So... May I ask you something? Whenever you thought that you were going to be getting all these, all this uh, material things and uh, uh, nice things, did you uh, discuss with your family as well as your girlfriend all these great plans that you have for all of them that you'd like to do? Oh, God, yeah. No, absolutely. And that was most certainly one of the hardest things out of this process. And it's kind of why I'm sitting here talking with you right now as a as a result after getting it off my chest with them is the fact that, um, you know, in the beginning you go from this very upbeat, very happy, very over the moon kind of, Oh my God, I'm going to get you this. And I'm going to thank you for all the stuff you've done for me by giving you all of these nice things. And I'm going to take you out to this amazing place. And I'm going to get you all the nicest stuff from there to all of a sudden, Oh, well, I've actually just had the wool pulled over my eyes and I've had that been taken advantage of this whole time. So yeah, it it was definitely the hardest part of coming out of that was having to go and explain that to them. But I'll tell you, I'm very grateful in that. One of the things I've, uh, one of the biggest things I'm grateful for now for the things I do have is, is that they were all very supportive of me and they were all very, um, very, very charitable to me in a time where I very much so needed it. So See, that's what I uh, that's what I was hoping that you would notice and that you would see in all this. Although you got fucked over, which is terrible. I know that uh, we all assume when we're around our families, our wives, our girlfriends, we always assume that they know for sure, 100% absolute, that they're loved and they're cared about. But here it is, you were given an opportunity where you felt like a bunch of great things were going to happen. And you made it absolutely abundantly clear to your family and the woman that you love that I want to give you everything. I want to give you the world. And even though you weren't able to do that, they were able to see that come from you, illuminate off of you that love. And they're never going to forget it. Even if you can't come through with it, they know that you would if you could. 
And man, I'll tell you what, you just, you just added an abundance of love to what you already had. And I hope you realize that. You know, that's, um, that's honestly, as, as far as, um, as, as far as what you just said, I really hadn't considered it from that perspective. You know, I, um, I, I, I try my best. I really do. I tell everybody in my own personal life that if you do your very best, if you try your very best and do everything that you possibly can to help those around you and to better yourself and to find a balance between those two things, then I think that you can put your head on your pillow at the very end of the day and sleep perfectly soundly because what more can you do than your best? But I'll tell you, I really haven't uh, thought about it from that perspective before. So that's a, uh, it's pretty interesting. Thank you for uh, sharing that with me. I've got some family members out there that'll tell me, Brad, I love you. I love you. But I'm not absolutely sure that if they want a billion dollars tomorrow, if I'd ever see their ass again. <laughs> but you, you proved it. You proved to your family, look, I'm about to have some things good happen. And I want you to know that I'm going to fulfill dreams. I want to help you be able to also have great things as well. I want to share success. So you see what I mean? With me, I don't know if some of the people truly love me or if it's just words, but you actually had the opportunity to show it, not just talk about it. No, you're, you're, you're very correct in that. And that, um, you know, I, I've spent, I've spent a very long time at this point. I'm only going to be going into university now here in the next couple months here. But at 21 years old, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm no way, I'm, it's not like I'm 40 and I'm sitting here with no university education, still wanting to go or anything like that. But I've taken the last six or so years, both in the midst of me doing my final bits of education and after the fact, I've just been really focused on getting work experience, trying to make sure that I've got that real world in-person job experience, because that's what I've heard over the whole course of my life. That's what you need. Yeah, it's nice to have that piece of paper that says that you know how to do things, but what employers really like more than anything else is actually that physical evidence. So I was thinking here, oh man, that really paid off because here's my girlfriend. She's about finished her university undergraduate in biology. So she's definitely going to be the uh, the the primary breadwinner of our, of our relationship for the next couple of years when she's finished that. But here I am thinking, man... I spent all this time getting this done and it's paid off. I'm going to be able to help her. I'm going to be able to provide not only for her, but for all these other people that have helped me out over the course of my life. And I'm going to be able to help do these things for them. And for as much as you could get broken up and devastated, and there was certainly a period of time for a day or so after that, I I'd realized that it happened where that was the case you're not going to get anything about you're not going to get anything out of it i should say um by just ruminating and becoming bitter by it you know it's like that john prime song my parents always really uh, showed that one to me a heart uh, a heart that's uh a heart full of anger grows weak weak and grows bitter it's so true because if you fill your heart with nothing but oh man i could have done this or i should have done this or all manner of those different things that'll just make you feel so awful. And you're not going to benefit out of that. You're not going to carry yourself forward with any kind of real confidence or any real genuine love within your heart. If you're so focused on those things, once again, that you don't have or could have had. So 
it sucks. You know, I lost a little bit of this, uh, of, of this little bit of money that I have left, but like I said, I gained a lot of experiences out of it. And you've just informed me here that I probably gained even more than I realize right now out of it. So at least whenever it comes to love, which I personally feel is the, the, the greatest thing a person oh. can ever be blessed and gifted with. Of course. However, I, uh, I do feel that these people who played you out, they should be punished some kind of way legally. Oh. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to have a cigarette, but I'll be able to hear you. I've got wireless headphones. Can you tell me if there's any way that these people can be taken to court and beaten and flogged publicly <laughs> or something? Well, Go ahead and know, tell me, I'll listen. Sure. You know, um, going back to to what I'd said before, it's I, I really think it's despicable more than almost any other kind of. Now, that's not to say that any kind of scam is good. That's not to say that any kind of way of pulling the wool over another human being's eyes is acceptable. But to me, maybe you'll agree with me on this. I think it's truly another level of despicable to try and scam somebody that's looking for work, that's looking to be gainfully employed, that's actually willing and showed in this particular example that they do have the skills to really get this done and to be a real asset to you. You know, if somebody's getting scammed on like a lottery or something like that, once again, that's not to say that that's good, but I think fundamentally to take advantage of somebody who's unemployed, doesn't have a heck of a lot as it is, who informs those people that they don't have a heck of a lot as it is and just don't care about it. It's just another level of despicable, but I'm not really sure, unfortunately, whether or not they're going to be able to see any justice. I'll tell you, I uh, the number that they uh, sent me, the very initial things, it may be just a burner phone, but even if it is a burner phone, uh, one of my friends linked me to a third-party uh, program that essentially uses um, an IP tracker on their phones. And I wouldn't use it under any other circumstance. I'm somebody that really values their privacy, but it narrowed it down to um, a certain suburb of Washington, D.C., actually. And I only know that it works within some degree of certainty because I had an old burner phone of my own, actually, that I really had only used once or twice back in the day because I had gone over on a trip to England and it didn't have international calling. But here's this thing that I still pay the $10 a month basic, basic plan on for some reason. I just haven't bothered to cancel the credit card on it. But I use it, and surely enough, it basically narrows me down to within a block of where I am. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, this thing actually works. This thing's got some merit to it. So I used it on the phone number that they gave me, and surely enough, that's what came up. So I got the coordinates from that. I got all of the uh, information that had been exchanged with me over the midst of this. It was more than one person as well, I should clarify. There was multiple people talking to me. There was a hiring manager, quote unquote, that had talked with me. There was an interviewer, quote unquote, that had talked with me. And then there was the manager, quote unquote, who was kind of the main guy who kind of run the main thing. He was the guy that had sent me um, at some point a text message over phone because I'd asked him just offhandedly, you know, I'm not going to have internet for a little bit here while I'm going to go grab this stuff. So could you communicate with me via text? Oh, yeah, sure. That's no problem, he says. So he sent me all this stuff. And surely enough, I got that stuff. So you know what? Maybe something can be done about it. I sent all the information that I could gather to the police and now it's in their hands. So 
I hope that they get in some trouble. It's been made abundantly clear to me because of the way that they did it. I'm not going to get my money back either way, but you know what? It would most certainly be more satisfying than anything else, even more so than me getting that back to see them actually get justice for this. Because I'll tell you, there's one thing that um, out of this that gives me a sour taste in my mouth more than anything else. It's the fact that I now know that this is a thing that's actually out there. Because let me tell you, there's I've I've never heard of a scam not only this convoluted involving so many people and so many different hiring, like the, the hiring process with an, with a contract and emails that actually have the official company email rather than a, a surrogate email and them actually getting me to work for a little while, quote unquote, underneath their organization is very complex. So here I am thinking, okay, yeah, here, I'm trying to do my research in the midst of this. I looked up the company that they supposedly were and the company that they were a front, <laughs> were essentially pretending to be is a real Fortune 500 company that's in Canada. It's a very prolific one that um, operates not too far away. But yeah. Oh, I just saw here that you're, uh, that you're back. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So you're not really... Uh... You don't know if there's any alternatives to do about this. Huh? Yeah, what I was about to say, what I was about to finish with rather was, is that like the worst taste that I get in my mouth out of it is, is that it's they're probably just out there right now doing it to other people. So I'll tell you what, for whatever reason, the main hiring guy, he didn't do it. He didn't send me or block me, I should say, on the program that we were communicating on. So I just sent him the fact that I had known everything about him, that I knew the coordinates of where he was and all that related stuff. And it's just like, yeah, good to know where you are and good to know all that stuff about you. This is getting forwarded onto the police. So have a nice day. He blocked me after that point. So at the very least, I hope that he shits his pants over that and doesn't fucking maybe at least give it a second thought before he takes advantage of another person. I know you're uh, bitter and thinking to yourself, oh, more people are probably going to end up getting screwed. But there is a, I, I know that this doesn't sound upside, but there's probably other people beside yourself who have been done. This is probably not the first time. Now, being that that is the case, um, you could within months to a year, uh, one day get contacted by a lawyer that says, look, we're putting a case together against this guy. Over a hundred people have been played out and we'd like you to come up and get some restitution for this. I don't know how Canada laws are like this, but you may end up with three times as much of an abundance of what you <laughs> lost. I mean, Hey, I would certainly not, uh, I'd certainly not say no to that. That's for sure. But more so than anything else, honestly, um, what would make me sleep at night is knowing that they're behind bars and that they're not doing this to anybody else. Because like I said, it's, it's one thing to, to run, like to run a confidence scam or to run a, a labor scam where at least they just would have gotten labor out of me and they wouldn't have gotten any money. But it's a whole other thing to, to do something this convoluted to somebody that's even taken the time to do their research into what's going on here. So yeah, I, I really do hope that they get, they get their comeuppance about it. Something to pray about. I'm sure. Hey. I <laughs> give it a try. You just told me before that I should give that a whirl about that other thing. So, Hey, I'll just add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. And, and make sure if you do, if you do decide that you want to do a prayer about this, pray about what you just said though. Say, look, 
I got burned on this. There's probably a lot of people before me and after me that's going to get hurt from this. And uh, God, if you're listening, and all of your great wisdom and love, please don't let innocence continue to get burned over this. Have something happen, please. And uh, believe it or not, there's this whole reap what you sow kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, it's It's truly awful, you know, because it's, I don't know. I think it's, if you, if you're not going to, if you're not going to work, if you're not going to contribute in any way, shape or form to society, but you're living in your own bubble and you're doing your own thing and you're still finding a way to make ends meet, that doesn't hurt anybody and whatever. It kind of goes back to what we had said before about our own personal opinions. As long as you're not hurting anybody, that's all that really matters to me. But it's a whole other level on things when you actually not only are not contributing to things, but are actively taking away from those that are trying to contribute. So, hey, hopefully something good comes out of it. But in the meantime, uh, do you have any more questions? Sure, if you want to. All right. I guess uh, one of my next questions would be, would you agree that intelligently designed things call for an intelligent designer of them? Hmm. Intelligently designed things. Yeah, I, do, I don't. I really don't. And I don't think that we're really intelligently designed either, to be honest with you. I think that we don't need an explanation of an intelligent designer to explain the the causality of why we are in the situation that we are right now. You know, it. I, I, I say it goes back to a lot, but it's true. I try to use it whenever it's true. It goes back to what we were saying before about... Um, <laughs> about how people are essentially people are essentially um sorry i'm trying to i'm getting tapped on the shoulder here can you give me a moment sure well ladies and gentlemen whenever you get an opportunity you can check out the links in my description also if any of you would like to participate in the live room Uh, Make sure you send me a couple voice messages on the phone number that you see on the screen. And uh, if it's a really cool voice message or you're just wanting to request music, you'll be on the radio station. Won't that be fun? You can ask me any questions you like. You can initiate a topic or a discussion and so on and so on. As far as live streams go, folks, it may be a while before I put my link out publicly. Right now, I'm just going to stick with people I trust. I've got like a couple handfuls of agnostics and atheists and religious people that I trust in social media. So we're going to probably do like rotations like that, or I'll just end up bringing in all the cool people. <laughs> all right. can you, Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I just got back. Sorry, I was just typing in the chat that I was back. I got to tell you, man, I find it really hard to hear you uh, sitting over there looking at your reflection in the mirror and telling yourself there wasn't no intelligence involved in this. I, Man, See, that's harsh. I, I don't think it is. I, yeah, we could, we're, we're talking in a very honest, you know, a very forefront way. I think that we've both been entirely honest with each other over the course of our discussion and, you know, in maintaining that honesty. I over the, over the course of my examinations of things and seeing not only all of the amazing, truly wonderful things that have happened over the course of, of, of human history, but also all the awful things combined with all of all of the things that have come along that really 
yeah, it it did inadvertently lead to the rise of ourselves, but was truly fucking awful for those that I don't know if you're I guess I should lead with are you a young earth creationist? Because I'm sure that with you being a Christian that you're a creationist, but are you a young earth creationist or do you believe that the earth is four point five billion years old? It's interesting that you ask that because a while back, I, I don't know if you noticed I did an interview with Kent Hovind. Yes, yeah, I saw that. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I've been talking to Kent off and on. Uh, he lets me call him on the phone and talk to him from time to time. And I've really tried to listen to him and comprehend where he's coming from. And he's also asked me if I would be willing to debate uh, against non-believers about it. And I said, sir, <clears throat> I appreciate what you're doing. And I understand uh, a lot of the arguments that you're presenting. But as far as the earth goes... At this point, I am convinced that the Earth is 4.5 billion years old and that the universe is trillions of years old. So, and, and I said, in fact, I think that the Earth may actually be older than that, as well as the universe. We can't truly know with our limited perception of reality and the universe as we know it. And he said, I understand that, Brett. And he goes, but you uh, you know the arguments. And I said, yeah, but I can't argue for things unless I'm absolutely convinced. Um, I just can't do it. And he goes, I, I respect that. So I didn't get to be a part of his deal. Because no. I, uh, I just, um, I, I just don't have that view. Um, well, I, that just goes to show the, that just goes to show the strength of your character though. I mean, like if you have the principle to be able to sit there and tell somebody, look, you know, we may agree on 95% of things, but when it comes down to this one particular thing that as you've stated before, and as I've heard you talk about in our previous discussions, you know, it's, it's, it's very important to you, this topic, you know, whether or not the earth is in fact, you know, 6,000 years old, if it's 4.5 billion and the discovery along the way of whether or not either one of those are even the case. So it just goes to show the strength of your character that here he is offering you the chance to get even more exposure than what you've got on here and going and talking to these people. I know that Kent has got a pretty decent platform uh, behind him. So it just goes to show the strength of your character is really what I'm saying that you have those principles. Yeah, he's actually, uh, and I've said this too in video, he's requested that I um, basically move down where he's at and, and be a part of the deal and all that. And I'm like, Kent, I, uh, I'm not the prettiest son of a bitch. You wouldn't want me on a camera like that too often. I might uh, make people think it's a Halloween show or something. And he, he thinks I'm hilarious with some of my jokes and all that. But I, uh, I, I don't mind discussing more philosophical things. And I already have gotten to the point, being that I was a non-believer, I know that using circular logic or just pointing at the Bible and saying, this is what it says. It's not going to be enough for some people. It's not going to be enough just to say, well, it says this in the Bible. And I realize that people need more. And I know you said earlier, but Christianity is all contingent on faith. Well, for some people, they get a little bit more than just the hope in it or the faith. Sometimes they actually get to see something. They get to hear something. Sure, there's going to be some crazy people out there who may be hallucinating, but after billions of people throughout the dawn of man stating this, we can't say they're all nuts, or we would be living in a really, really weird world, wouldn't we? Me, you and I would be like the only stable, normal person then, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, you know, because 
it it goes back to what we were talking about before insofar as like i it, it's a piece of evidence that i want to take hold of that i want to grasp onto but unfortunately with me only being myself and only being able to live in you know my own perception of things for as much as i try to empathize with other people you know i can't empathize god is really the best way of putting it i suppose is um I can't take other people's experiences, even if it is somebody that's very close to me. This might sound a little callous or cold to you. I've, it's really, truly not my intention. But I've had a couple of people that are very close to me, and they've said that they've had these experiences. And I'll look at them, and I'll say, look, I'm very happy for you. I could not be happier for you that you've had this experience and that this has happened. And it's only when they try to really bring it into conversion that they uh, that I'll bring this up. It's like, look, I'm that's perfectly well and good for you, but I need to have that experience myself in order to, to push me over that edge in order for me to really get into this. Because trust me, I, for, for as much as I say that I want to believe there's still definitely a very strong component in me that uh, is sitting here telling me, look, you can't though, without not, without any real evidence. And it kind of goes back into uh, of morality, you know, the objectivity of it, whether there is actually an objective morality, I cannot be certain of, but I can be certain that there are objective reasons why I feel the way that I do. I know that if I give, you know, if I give tw a couple of dollars to a homeless person on the side of the road, yeah, there's a chance that they're going to spend that on drugs, or there's a chance that it's going to go towards alcohol or whatever. But you know, I know for a fact that either way, I've given them that chance in order to better themselves. It's just one of those examples of, even though you can't necessarily know that there's objectivity within morality, you can know that there is objective good in the things that you do. And you can know that there is objective bad in things that you do as well. Like for instance, you know, you light your fire, you light your house on fire in the middle of a crowded city. Oh, well, people would say it's your house, it's your property, you should be able to do whatever you want. But no, we have an understanding that that puts people in danger. That fire could very easily spread to other people's homes, to other people's property. It's not at all safe for them to do that. So it's an objectively poor, an objectively bad decision for them to make. Now, of course, when it comes down to it, is there every single thing that every single person believes going to be objective? No, you can't always draw that line with everything. But I don't necessarily think that that would indicate that there needs to be a God for that to be the case any more so that it would be, I don't know, Allah or Shiva or any different deity that purports, Zoroaster, any one of these beings that purports to have that within them. And that just kind of goes into another thing, you know, on... For as much as I'd like to be a deist, for as much as I'd like to have that religious experience, it really would need to be a specific deity or deities that appeared before me for me to really go that extra mile to really convert and to really hold those beliefs within my heart because it goes back to that, well, how can you be certain with the countless different beings that have been worshipped over the course of human history? I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the society that inhabited the Easter Island uh, island back in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They had a system of writing that has been completely lost to us. We don't know anything that they recorded as far as their beliefs, as far as their the notions of how they lived their lives, 
how can we be certain that that God that we've never had any perspective on in our own modern times isn't the one that is in fact correct? That that go- or gods, whatever it might be that they believed in. I just, I can't, from my perspective, from somebody that can't really be sure, put any more or any less stock into that being a possibility than the Christian God existing. For as much as I say that, though, I do identify a lot more strongly, obviously, with the Christian worldview, with the Christian perspective than I would say, I don't know, Nahuatl religion of like the Aztecs or the Incans or something like that. Now, maybe that's just more out of lack of understanding as far as those beliefs are concerned. But I feel like most people, especially nowadays, if they were given the choice of either one of those things, are going to choose them <laughs> to love thy neighbor and to go to church every Sunday rather than sacrifice somebody just to get a little bit of rain at the end of the season. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. There's, uh, I guess, two things I'll attempt to unpackage for you, and hopefully my response will come off good for you. I do want you to know, I didn't think that your response was dishonest at all. I, uh, I too, uh, unfortunately, I had, whenever I was an atheist, I had thousands of people. Whenever I'd go to a church to debate or do a church phone call, I had countless people who wanted to share their testimony and their personal experiences. And there were times where I would just kind of go, yeah, okay. And I was mean to some of them whenever they shared their story because here I was, a guy who was poor, who felt like he got screwed in life. And I also felt like my daughter's going to end up having mental and physical disabilities all of her life. So when I heard people talk about these great healings and great stuff, it pissed me off. And I would end up coming off very bitter and nasty to people. Well, that's fantastic. God helped you out, but doesn't help out all the people who drowned in the Titanic, you know, kind of, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of attitude. That's, that's how I seen it. But then, um, I, I continued to listen and I, it still wasn't doing nothing for me. Personal experiences are simply not going to move the atheist or agnostic. And I completely understand that on an intellectual honesty level. But for me, I, I do got to put this out there. They kept telling me that if I kept trying, I kept if I just prayed, it's not going to hurt me. Maybe something will happen. And I was like, yeah, right. You got to understand, I've already talked to the doctors. I trust science, dude. You know, so <laughs> that's how I was kind of like. But now my daughter's 19 years old. She's about to receive an award for being one of the greatest uh, kids in her school. She's been published in a book for her art. She's making all A's in her classroom. She's in mainstream classrooms. She's beautiful. You wouldn't even know that there's an issue with her at this point. And she's just trucking along. And she's as strong as a damn ox. She kicks my ass all over the place. <laughs> well, so, you know, I'm really glad to hear that, actually. You know, <laughs> <laughs> given uh, given uh, the fact that I've been following you for a while, I know that things haven't always necessarily been that good. You know, I won't get into anything, obviously, because it's your business, not mine. But I know things haven't necessarily been the best for her over the entire course of her life. So to hear that she's doing as good as she is right now, that's awesome. That's really glad to hear that. Uh, I've had a lot of things that have been a total shit storm where I, I literally felt like I was on a dark road and there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But something something unusual ends up coming. Sometimes it's not always quick. But another interesting thing that you pointed out, which is valid as can be, 
why bother with Christianity whenever there's all this other concepts of gods? And I'm going to say something that's kind of weird to you, because a lot of Christians, for some reason, they won't put this forward. But the Bible does mention other gods. It's not like it, it hides the idea. It just simply says this God is the one true God that created all things. And then there's these other forms out there. Probably the next question would be, well, how do you know which religion's right? That's that's like one of the big questions, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so check this out. If there were to be a God and it truly was interactive and it loved you, it cared about you, and it wanted you to know the truth, would you not suspect that it would constantly bombard you with the with what it uh, perceived as the truth? Would you agree with that? If it truly loved you, would it bombard you nonstop with what is perceived as truth? Yeah, I would definitely say yes to that. Okay, so whenever we look at the uh, the list of religions out there, we see that Christianity is right on top. Islam is second. Judaism's down away. And Christianity, there's nowhere you can drive in your country or my country without seeing a damn church or hearing about Jesus or God anywhere that you go. Now, as far as someone being born on an island somewhere that we don't even know if the, that person actually exists, if God wants to get through to somebody, I believe he could get through to you even if you were in the mosh pit of a Slayer concert, if he truly wanted to, right? Well, yeah, you know, speaking from the, the Christian perspective, absolutely, because he is omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's always had that um, that capability to reach out and to touch your heart, and uh, going back to what you had said earlier, it's actually really interesting that you bring that up, because I really don't hear it from a lot of Christians. And it's very true. It wasn't until the Enlightenment, really, until the uh, the 18th and 19th century, that Christianity really kind of rejected even the very idea, at least mainstream Christianity, things like the Catholic Orthodox churches, things like that, rejected the idea outright, uh, mainly Protestant, actually, that there would be even the possibility of there being other gods because you're right, it's said in scripture even that uh, there were other gods and that those gods did in fact have some ability or another. And you know, that kind of actually goes back into uh, what we were discussing before about my times in the, um, in the Catholic school, because here I am, I'm sitting here listening to these stories about Moses in the, uh, in the land of Egypt trying to convince the Pharaoh to let his people go. And here are the magicians and the priests and that whatnot of the Pharaoh, those that followed the Kemetic religion of the uh, the, of the Egyptians. And it even says within the Bible itself that, yeah, they're not able to do nearly as much as Moses is, but they're still able to produce supernatural acts. They're still able to get something out of what they're performing. Yeah, it's a pale imitation to what Moses is doing. But I, I went to the religion teacher with this information and I go, well, in a world where there really aren't any other gods other than the Christian God, then why would he why would he humor them for lack of a better term? Why would he allow them to do anything? Wouldn't he just sit there and then and when they try to say, Oh, well, there's always examples of that within scripture, I go, Well, no, that's not really the case, is it? Because when you look at um oh, who's the later prophet than him? I think it was uh I think it was David actually, one of those ones afterwards, uh, after Moses. Uh, in the temple of Baal, they tried to pray to the uh, to Baal all day long, sitting there around the uh, the idols that were within the temple. 
and he mocks them all day long because nothing happens. So I say that can't be the explanation because sometimes in the Bible, when they try to go and reach out to these other gods, nothing happens. So it can't just be that they always try to, that God always tries to humor them and that God always tries to like almost test their faith is really the best answer that I was given by her. No, it seems that there really is something else out there besides just this God. And that was really one of the bigger ideas that they just completely rejected out of hat. No, that's heresy. That can't be the case. You can't really say that. And it confuses me because, you know, it's like what you say. They're even the in the, even the Bible itself cops to the fact that there are other gods out there. Any Christian that I really think is worth their salt would say at least to one extent or another that yes, of course they worship the God of the Bible, that they worship the Abrahamic God, but that doesn't mean that he's the only one out there. Sure. Maybe the other ones in their worldview have a lot less control, have a lot less influence, but how else do you explain the times both before the advent of the Abrahamic religion and human history, especially considering you're not a young earth creationist, you would acknowledge the thousands of years that happened before the advent of Judaism and before anybody got any kind of word of the Abrahamic God. Not only that, but the times before Christ's coming and the centuries thereafter where almost nobody really knew about it. How would you explain that from a Christian worldview if there really is only God? Why would he just sit there and, you know, in his kingdom twiddling his thumbs all day long, just waiting for these specific, seemingly very arbitrary points to happen if there aren't some other sort of influences out there that are also more or less running things behind the scenes? So it's a very interesting point that you bring up. It's not just the uh, idea of there being demigods or gods that are created within the universe, because obviously there's a difference between an eternal timeless God and then gods who have the essence of the supreme being who's doing these things. But I also am convinced because of the changes of languages, whether you believe in the Tower of Babel or not, or just that people separated and got their different languages, I believe a lot of these religions are simply calling out to the same God and the same belief system, but they speak a different language, so God is going to have a different name for them. You know what I mean? If a guy moves to an island and starts learning the boo-boo language, he's probably going to call God boo-boo, but it's still <laughs> the same God. It's just he's got a different language, and that's how he expresses and articulates himself. You know, that's, that's definitely a very interesting theory, and I definitely think that there is some validity in that. I think that there's definitely... Um at least a grain of truth within basically any religion that I've studied, you know, um, even the really abhorrent ones, of course, like um, those of the Aztecs, those of the Incans, those that were like those of Baal, those that included human sacrifice as a fundamental component. Yeah, of course, we see those as very awful nowadays in modern context, but that doesn't mean that that was all that those religions were about. That doesn't mean that that was the be all end all of their societies. You see that these people, you know, those that followed the religion of Baal, those were the Phoenicians. They built some of the biggest, most impressive cities of the ancient world with some of the best amenities for people, where those people that actually believed in this had some of the best standard of living ever. You know, the same is true for Nahuatlism. You have Tenochtitlan, the capital of the Aztec Empire, bigger than any city in Europe, even at the time the conquistadors arrived there. Yeah, they believed in a god that's fun well, gods that are fundamentally different from those of the Bible, but that doesn't mean that they're not able to live a decent life for themselves and that they're not able to get a very advanced society going on that on that part. So 
I definitely agree that there are there are seeds of truth and that there are um, aspects of goodness in any religion. I really haven't found any single religion where, especially including Christianity, even at my worst when I was an anti-theist, where I was like, oh, this is just all bad. There's all negative negativity to this religion because who would really believe in that? Who would believe in a religion that's just all doom and gloom and negativity and just nothing but badness because it's kind of self-evident within the universe that that couldn't be the case. There has to be good and bad. There has to be give and take within the reality of this world. Anybody that's lived long enough to articulate the thoughts that you and me are talking about have come to that conclusion at one point or another. I find myself, even though I'm an adult nowadays, whenever uh, talking to a lot of different denominations and religious folks, um, and I plan on putting up more church phone calls that I've recorded, but one of the things that I've noticed that really bothers me is uh, between us, there seems to be an issue on, is did God create other life in the universe? And it seems to me on a logical, rational level that if there's trillions of planets and the universe is over 2 billion light years across in expansion, there should be. And I have no problem with believing that God may have created other universes, multiverses. I'm not talking about Spider-Man, Shet, and Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. And I... I believe in a great deal of possibility. I figure if it could be done once, it could probably be doing more. And although I see us as a miracle, I also am humble enough to realize the insignificance of our existence compared to the universe. So I suspect that there are other life forms out there that are far superior to us that God works with. Now, other religious people don't like that. They're like, no, 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 no. Anything else out there is demons and monsters. I'm like, nah. I think that uh, to think that God only came up with one plan and we were the deal, I think that you're a little uh, naive on that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a really interesting topic that you brought up right there because, you know, I was actually having this discussion not too long ago with a friend of mine in my personal life. You know, how are people? Because I don't know whether or not you'd heard um, this uh, this new James Webb Space Telescope that just launched here uh, a couple of days ago one of the biggest components on that telescope compared to the Hubble Space Telescope is that it will be able to actually read the atmospheric makeup of these different exoplanets. And one of the biggest indicators of life is the fact that any, any atmosphere of any planet the size of Earth should not be able to retain oxygen. It shouldn't have a decent amount of oxygen in it. If the star that it is orbiting around is billions of years old, and the planet is not extremely young and is still basically holding on to the material that was there when the star was first created, then life really is, as far as our current understanding, the only explanation of that. Now, that may be debatable to some people, but then it goes on to another level. There's other things that can only be created by intelligent life that we know for a fact can be. Things like certain particles of uranium and CFCs and other industrialization uh, signs of industrialization within the atmosphere that are basically conclusive beyond a doubt. This is intelligent life. It's on another planet and it has industrial capabilities of some kind or another. Now, if we eventually find that out because of this telescope, the real crux of our discussion was how people are going to react. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's good to be pretty freaking crazy. The, sheer variation of reactions that our species are going to have because i think that's one of the biggest things that you know carl sagan in the, um, in his book uh contact i think he's one of the only people that really got that right in that 
you know, there's really not going to be any one reaction that humanity is going to have upon them discovering this. If it is in fact the case, there's going to be people that think that they're, there's going to be people that think that they're demons. There's going to be people that think that they're God. There's going to be people that are worshiping the aliens because they think that they're this new kind of religion that they need to follow. There's going to be all these different reactions to it. And I think that really what we should take away from it if we do eventually find this other life is the fact that yeah if you're if you're a religious person it goes back to what you were saying why would a god create this truly unimaginable scale of this universe this universe where we cannot as humans even with the best like science fiction star trek level technology we cannot explore beyond the local group of our galaxies the drift that happens between the different galaxies outside of our local group is so fast that it's multiple times the speed of light. So even if you have this faster than light engine, you're just going to be drifting in intergalactic space until the very end of the universe until the heat death. So you look at that and you go, okay, well then there's only this comparatively very tiny part of our universe that we can ever actually reach out and that we could ever actually touch or be a part of. Why would he create anything more than that? Well, really, the only logical explanation for that, anyways, to me, is is that, yeah, there would almost have to be other beings out there. There would have to be other intelligent life that is perceiving it, the universe around it and being a part of it. Because I really don't, and maybe this is only because I have the limited, ex- <laughs> the limited experience of a human being compared to the creator of the universe. I don't see any reason to create something as vast as that and just fill it with sheer emptiness in terms of uh in terms of intelligent life and just only have this one little tiny island of it in such a vast ocean it's interesting you bring up carl sagan carl sagan took one step forward over not just uh other universes and other things in the cosmos but he actually said that there are layers to the universe that he referred to as dimensions that an entity could actually be sitting right in front of us and we wouldn't even uh know that it's right there in front of us due to i believe he did a video a while back called flatlanders that was based upon some information he had gotten from another resource but the way he spoke of it i was like carl how the hell can you be a skeptic when you know this shit (laughs) well see that's just the thing is is that if if there are truly other otherworldly beings other life that has gone down a completely different evolutionary path than ourselves then it's really a shot in the dark just as far as how similar or different they are. I think it's really, it, it says a lot about our perception of the worlds around us, of the universe around us, that we, that we anthropomorphize so many of these aliens in our popular culture, you know, even though they, you look at Star Trek, it's a great example, you know, the Romulans just look like people just with this weird shit on their face. Right. It, it's 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 a combination both of the fact that that's really all that we can understand or perceive from our current perspective, but also the fact that we really do just kind of see ourselves as this incredibly unique, incredibly special thing. But I just, what, what really gets me, and I'm really glad that you have the intellectual honesty, even as a creationist to accept this idea that there are, that there very well could be life on other planets I, it really gets my goat when these creationists that don't believe that, that don't believe that there's a possibility of that being the case, 
they'll bring up things like, oh, well, you know, SETI, all these different uh, projects that people have made, all these radio telescopes have been transmitting for years and we haven't heard jack shit back. And you look at them and you go, well, for one thing, the amount that we've been transmitting, the actual space we've covered in comparison to our galaxy, let alone the universe itself, is just tiny. It's negligible. I think it's maybe like one one thousandth the total diameter of our galaxy. Our very earliest transmissions will have reached. So it's not just that, Aiden. Even if uh, the communications going out there, it's a bad argument on their part because there could very well be a damn spaceship sitting around the the side of the sun that we don't even see that we're not picking up, and they've been listening to us the whole time, and they're probably thinking. Man, these motherfuckers are idiots. They're crazy. <laughs> if we come down there, they're going to fucking shoot us. And then we'll have to blow them all up and kill these little bastards. So, you know, they're probably, uh, what is that thing in Star Trek they call it where you don't mess with the primitive? Oh, the prime directive? Yeah, that's exactly how I see it. I also kind of think of God that way, too. He's trying to let us kind of evolve and get better and and try to mature as a, a species, you know, before, you know, getting into some major interaction and all that. I mean, could you imagine it? It would be like arming a baby with a nuke. <laughs> yeah, you, you do make a decent point uh, as far as that's concerned. I just, I suppose at that point, my question would be, my question would be when really would be the time, you know, that goes back to what I'd said before about, yeah, I'm only one person out of the countless others that have existed and I could never get an idea or put myself in the shoes of a creator being, but. Well, there's it, a difference between folks like you, Aiden, and there's a difference between other folks who are claiming to want the same thing. You actually want it. You actually believe that if there is something out there, that you would be willing to follow. And if that's genuinely in your heart, I think that you're going to get the answers that you're looking for. But some people, they don't realize the sacrifices that they'll need to make in their life, the major changes. Did you ever see my video where I talked about what would you do right now if God decided, you know what, I'm going to make myself visible for all times i'm going to perch on the biggest building that exists in the biggest city and just sit there all damn day so everybody when they're driving to work they can see me do you realize how much the world would change obviously all the atheists would be like the hell with this i believe in god now there wouldn't <laughs> be any kind of diversity Every time something comes up or every time somebody wants something, they're not going to work for it anymore. They're just going to go up and scream at God for the next three hours. Could you imagine what it would be like if God put himself in that? So I think the way God's doing it is the optimal way. Show up for people whenever they're in their time of need, if they really want it, and stay back and let humanity uh, make its choices, even if they're destructive. Well... I suppose I suppose my only real argument for that would be if God in the Christian perspective is as uh, it's been described then he's put himself within those circumstances and maybe maybe it's jealous of me to want that maybe it is jealous of me for him to want himself for me to want him to reveal himself for everybody selfish and yeah well and it goes back to what you said it goes back to what you'd said before about um about how much it would change people, about how much it would change their perspective on things. 
And I think that the reason why it would change things as much as it is, is because of the circumstances that have arisen around the world and the diversity of people's faiths being what they are. But really, if, if, if God is this omnipotent being, then he's the one that created those circumstances in the first place. So you don't think that you'd ever, uh, and maybe you wouldn't because you seem like you really, really want this, but you do realize there's going to be a lot of people out there with resentment. They're going to be aggravated if they have something that is constantly visibly watching over them every single day. How many times have you heard atheists be like, Oh man, if this God is real, is he watching me when I wax my carrot and all this? Yeah. They act like their privacy somehow will be violated if God were to show himself. And another thing that I, I find funny about people, not just atheists, but religious people too, they're like, how come God doesn't show himself? Well, when God does show himself and he does something, people bitch. And if he doesn't do something, they bitch. It's like God is damned if he do, damned if he don't. Yeah, we're the, we're the ultimate fickle species, aren't we? We really just cannot be satisfied with anything. And I, I will agree. Like, I, I absolutely do concede that notion to you that that is exactly what would happen. You know, I'm, I'm not in any disagreement that people would react exactly how you say that they would. I just, I, I think to a large extent, the reason why they would react the way that they would is because of the way that things have gone over these last thousands of years since the last time that he'd made his appearance. And for that to have been different, maybe I just don't have the insight to make a definitive decision in this, but I think that he could have done things a hell of a lot better than what he's doing right now. I got, a, I got a question for you, Aiden, if you don't mind. And I think it's going to go along with a lot of the things that you've talked about and pointed out. Are you ready for this real quick? Yeah, feel free. Okay. Let's say that one day you uh, you and your girlfriend, you park a car in a, a dark garage or something, and you're making your way out of the vehicle, and someone approaches you, but you feel a strange ore coming off of them. You know what I mean by strange ore, kind of ominous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just get bad juju about them. Okay, so they open up a what I like trench coats, so let's go with that or a leather coat, right? Yeah. That's cool. So he opens his trench coat, he pulls out this huge, thick envelope. And in this envelope, he's got a bunch of barabons. He's got like uh with all the documentation, you could actually get a billion dollars right then and there. And he tells you. Look, as long as you follow me and you completely deny the existence of this God and never follow it, you get this. But it all disappears the moment that you go with God on this. You're going to get a visit. You can either deny or reject this God or you can take all this. What would you do in that position? You're offered everything that you could possibly ever want. Everything that you could give. You'll be the, obviously you'll be like the breadwinner times 10,000 at this point. I would, uh, I'd laugh in his face to be completely honest with you. And I'd say you'd slipped up and saying that there's going to be a meeting between me and God, because if I know that there's a God, if I know that there's actually this creator being that exists and this life that I'm living is a turn that is only temporary and is really in the face of something eternal that is coming afterwards, then all everything that he could offer me in the entire world is immaterial at that point. It doesn't matter. What's important to me at that point would be saving my eternal soul and making sure that I'm right with God, because no, you're absolutely right. In a, in a universe where I would know for a fact that that was the case, you know, this guy's sitting here 
he's got this evidence that I'm going to get all this stuff. I'd say, yeah, you slipped up and saying that I'm going to have a meeting with him, though, because, yeah, I'm going to go with him if I've actually got something more than this temporary life coming towards me. Right. And that's another thing that we were talking about earlier. We were talking about how we try and we put our effort into doing the right things. And we talked about how some people, they don't get what they want and some people do. And that's really strange. But how about the people who get what they have always dreamed of, what they always want? And then it ends up being their nightmare. Oh, God. Well, I suppose that that goes that feeds into the notion that I've always it's one of the biggest ones I've mulled over, especially over the last few years in my life. It's the fact that it really does seem like on some level or another adversity does need to be present in somebody's life in order for them to actually truly feel satisfied. I always thought that whole principle of yin and yang you know, any negativity must be balanced by positivity. I thought it was bullshit for such a long period in my life. I thought, oh, whatever, you know, we, why would so why would somebody need neg- negativity in their life in any way, shape, or form? Why would somebody need adversity? Why would somebody need these negative things? But it, you're right. It really does seem like in the lives of these people that have had everything handed to them on a silver spoon that have never really had to work for anything, they're miserable because you have to have on some level, it seems at least within the human condition that, that, that overcoming that, that realization that I can get this done. Yeah. It's going to be difficult for me to get this done, but God damn it. I'm going to just stick it out. I'm going to get it done. And then seeing the results of that labor, seeing the results of that work and all of the adversity that came with it. It's a, I, I do think that, yes, it is very much so necessary in order for somebody to have a truly satisfying life. Right. And you could definitely appreciate the things you have because, you know, at least for you and and uh, even religious people, a lot of things on this planet are temporal, whether it's finances, money, pain, suffering, good, joyous things, that great cookie or orgasm, <laughs> right? Yeah, but no. if you if you don't have any buildup, you know, to who you are, I mean, you wouldn't be the man that you are today if you didn't have all that, uh, you know, the negative as well as the positive, the love and the support. So sure, sure. And I believe you. I believe you whenever you say that if uh, you were given this opportunity, you would, uh, there'd be no damn way you would reject God. Uh, no matter how much money you offered. And because of that, I think that you have a real chance of being able to see something. You know, maybe you have already seen some things, but for some reason you won't put two and two together. I don't know. (laughs) You know, that's something that I think about almost more than anything else. It's funny that you bring that up because (laughs) I try to be observant in all things. I really do. You can only do that so much, obviously, as as a human being. You can only observe so much. But I've thought about that before so much. What if there is something that uh, I've <laughs> I've had given to me or have uh, received that has just completely gone over my head, even just in the temporary sense of things? Because, yeah, I, I do believe that there really is a God and that that God in one way, shape or form does have a plan for me, that he would make it clear to me that he wouldn't just do it in some vague manner, that I would have a chance of... Uh, of passing up. I think he would make it pretty clear in no uncertain terms, but there's always that bit of doubt, right? You always have that little bit of you. That's like, well, maybe I just didn't see it. 
You know, there's an incident in the New Testament. You probably remember this. You know, I, I was telling you earlier, I believe that someone, it's possible that uh, God could get a hold of you even in the mosh pit of the Slayer concert. But there's also the issue where if a person doesn't truly want something, you, you're going to have an issue. I'll give you an example. Peter, remember uh, Jesus and Peter on the boat? And Jesus actually does this uh incredible miracle where he's walking along the water well peter if you notice and nobody ever really brings this up but peter actually as a human being showed that he had the ability even for a moment to actually break the laws of nature and doing what he was doing that jesus was trying to show him you have the power to do even greater things than myself but he allowed doubt to creep in even though the son of god was standing right in front of him on the ocean and he sunk even though he could see it for himself, it wasn't for some reason doubt crept up on him. I, th I think it's almost inevitable, really, for almost everybody. You know, it's it goes back to um, to Judas. You know, I always thought for the longest time, why the hell would you do something like that to what you honestly do truly believe to be the creator of all things, the creator of the universe? Why would you sell them out for? you know 30 pieces of silver let alone any real sum of money it goes back to what you were saying earlier about the uh, the guy that offers a billion dollars in bonds i why would you do such a thing but i do think it's true like no matter what you know i and being honest there would even in that situation there would be a small part of myself that'd be like well you know what even if you know that there's a meeting coming up with god you can't know that for a fact maybe you should take the money. Maybe there is going to be a part of me. Well, I know the fact that there's going to be a part of me that would say that because it's true. It does seem like doubt is a universal aspect of, of humanity. And it, it's kind of something that I've, um, I've grappled with for a period of time. Is, is that why? And I mean, Satan is the easy answer. I don't know if it's the answer that you would give, but why is it that doubt is so thoroughly sown into the human condition if we're required to have this faith in order to enter into his kingdom? I believe that there has to be a contrast of evil, good, wrong, and right. If we don't have this and we can't have a symbiotic relationship with the earth and people around us, we will not be able to establish free will and sentience if we don't have our own program and our own direction to go. And even though God loves us, he would prefer us to have the ability to say we don't love him as opposed to being a puppet, I think. No, that, that's a pretty fair answer, actually. I'll definitely uh, accept that as one. Uh, it's getting a bit late at this point, though, Brett. It's about 8.30 my time. Uh, would you mind if we uh, kind of call it here and I can get myself something to eat? Of course. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Keep uh, in contact with me. That way I can do more stuff with you. I enjoy talking with you. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I'd love to be back on here. It's been fantastic. All right, Aiden. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, pleasure to you as well. Have a good rest of your night. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. Did you know that atheist Joseph Stalin killed between 60 and 80 million people? If you were to look at the math and the statistics, you would find that he killed more people than all of the religions combined over the years. That includes Christianity, Islam and Judaism and even paganism.
One single atheist dictator killed more than all of the religions combined. If you subscribe to my channel, I will not only show you what this one atheist did, but I'll be more than happy to educate you on the many atheists who had political power who almost destroyed our world. My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description. Hi, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're having a blessed day. Can you tell me what your favorite band and song of all time is? I run a radio station and I love all genres. I'm just looking for some ideas for my radio station and I may end up playing your favorite band and song. Please tell me. You can listen to my radio station on Spotify. You can also subscribe to my videos and watch me live as well as live streams in high definition. You can also call my radio station anytime and request music, initiate a conversation, talk to me, start a topic, anything goes. Thank you and rock on. My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description.